Hello everyone, welcome to the Game Junk Podcast for July 2016. This is episode number 29, and my name is Sean. My name is Frank. My name is Andrew. Coming up on this month's episode, we've got reviews of Uncharted 4, we're going to be talking about Severed, and we're going to be talking about all the stuff that happened at E3, which is not all that much, incidentally. Or was it? We'll find out in just a bit. We also have a special guest here joining us once again, Mr. Graham Smith from Drinkbox. Welcome back. Thanks, guys. Now, I think, so last time you were on, uh, what what was the occasion? Was it the release of Guacamelee, or was it before that? It was just after Guacamelee came out. Okay. So um, I, I don't totally remember what we did last time, I guess, you know, we'll. I assume we'll we'll give some of our honest thoughts on the game. Oh, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we. I, I'm definitely interested to um, get into a little bit of the the making of the game and maybe a little bit of the history of Drinkbox if we have time. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, that's, well, I, I've yeah. known Graham longer than I've known you guys. That's true, and I saw. The first ever, or one of the first ever, prototypes for Mutant Blobs. The Blob demo, yeah. With the, was it the s- <clears throat> Spring 2D or something? Yeah, Box 2D. Box, oh, it was Box yeah. 2D. It yeah. was, but I, I thought it was something else. Yeah. But yeah, you were doing the spring physics in between the... It was pretty rad. Blew you away, right? And it, <laughs> and now look where Drinkbox is. It's, <laughs> it's, pretty, ama- it's pretty amazing. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you did play Uncharted 4 as well? Yes, I did. So that'll be that'll be good. That'll be good. <laughs> or will it? Uh, I think it will. <laughs> so he didn't uh, play it. So now, before we get into the E3 stuff, which is, I, I guess, what we'll start with, Huck City. Did you ha- you had said you had something that you wanted to briefly oh, yeah. touch on? Actually, two things quickly. Uh, one is with the latest PS4 version update, uh, system update. You can now actually search communities, and there is a game junk community that I made. Nice. That basically, as soon as I made it, became impossible to find. <laughs> <laughs> so there are 17 people in it. I think most of them are the people I invited, or if not all of them. And, but now you can actually find it. So if people are on PS4 and they want, just search Game Junk Podcast in the communities, and you can join the 17 eager people that... Force and then join. once uh, Microsoft <laughs> awesome. clubs are uh, official this fall, we'll have to do one on there too. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what what is communities like? What I don't. What do uh, we it's get just out like of it? a wall of people that follow the same stuff. So anybody who joins it, that, like, they're what they're playing and stuff like that will show up and updates um, on that. I think or? you need to actually like post something. So okay. I guess kind of like Twitter, you can post a picture or a message. Interesting. I think. I didn't look at it too much. I just made it. Then, <laughs> just knew of, we had to be there. <laughs> yeah. When I realized no one could ever find it, it kind of gave up on it. And But now, now it's a whole another ball game. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems to be the problem with everything on the internet now is yeah. how do you find shit? Can you yeah. link to our very active Twitch page from there? Or yeah. our, our Twitch <laughs> channel? I could probably put it in the description. Okay. So once we actually get on there and people know it exists yeah so i hey you know this was actually uh like a less of a gap between episodes than usually usually is right like wasn't it only 
two months or was it three months? Maybe it was three months. I'm not sure. I don't remember either. I feel like it was May that we recorded, but could okay. be wrong. Well, we're ahead of the game for this year now. Yeah. Take four months off next time. <laughs> What's the uh, second announcement? Oh, the second thing was uh, some Citizens of Earth news, the game that never dies. Uh, <laughs> we were in uh, the Nintendo Humble Bundle, and some hackers discovered an exploit in the 3DS version, which resulted in the game getting pulled off of the eStore. So for those of you that don't make any sort of product, you never want to have your games removed from any store. So this was bad. Uh, turns out you could, if you corrupted the save data, you could access the 3DS OS or something. I don't know. Somehow this is allowed. Uh, so I had to fix that and it's in submission. So if anyone is looking for the game on the 3DS eStore, it's being certified by Nintendo right now. Hopefully it'll go smoothly and it'll be back up. I don't know. Whenever Nintendo actually gets around to approving it, hopefully in the next week or two. And um, for people in Japan, if there's any listeners in Japan, the game should be out there on 3DS, PS4, and Vita sometime in the next month or two, I think. Well, the 3DS game should be back up as well. It also ran into the humble hoax, they were calling it, problem, which is really a pain in the ass because... I don't want to work on this game anymore. <laughs> I'm done with it. Yeah, well, like, I imagine there's probably games that were affected. Like, well, you were saying uh, VVV, VVV yep. was affected, and it, yeah, got... the guy just is not even bothering to update it? Is that... No, 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 no. He's, uh, his, he contracted another company to do the port. They're fixing it. Okay. He didn't give me a timeline. I talked to him about it, but he didn't give me a timeline for when. But they had identified the problem, and it was the same problem we had. So hopefully that game gets back up soon. And I think it was pulled off a week or two before Citizens was. So huh. so I don't know why yeah. they were targeted. but that I mean, that is for a game that's been out for a while. And if you're a small indie studio, that's yeah. time and money you probably don't want to be putting into an old game anymore. But Definitely not. Well, let's hope the uh, pace of Nintendo certification is a bit more brisk than their uh, Treehouse broadcasts. <laughs> oh, foreshadowing. So Been here for a while. I guess that's a good segue to get into E3. <laughs> now, uh, before we do that, we should mention that you were actually at E3, Grant? Yeah, yeah I was at E3, uh, but I was working most of the time. I didn't have a, too much time to get around on the show floor, but yeah, I saw a couple things there. Okay. More than us. So, uh, on, like, I guess before we go, you know, press conference by press conference or wh however we're going to do it, like, was there a highlight for you there? Uh, yeah, definitely the highlight was getting to play Zelda, which is the only game I actually got to play while I was there. Um, that was the only game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I, I would have, like, 10 minutes in between meetings, and I'd run around and just look at what was being shown. I never really had much time for playing. Yeah, I guess but... you got to wait in line no matter what, right? So. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the Zelda, the, the Nintendo booth was incredible. Like, it was it was humongous, and they were just showing Zelda, but the whole inside of it was, was completely themed like it was uh, inside of the world of Zelda. They had, like, plants, and, like, they had animatronic animals, and uh, you could stand in different places to change things inside of the booth. Like, if if you were standing in one spot, like, wind would start blowing on other people over there, and, like... Nice. They, it's really, like, spare no expense on uh, on promoting the Zelda game. Yeah. Which was the only thing they well, had. They had promote, nothing so. else to promote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was easy. And uh, the, the other incredible thing about it um, was the lineup around the booth. Like, luckily, I had a meeting with Nintendo, so I got to go right in, but... Uh, 
what I was told was as soon as the doors opened to E3, everyone was running there and immediately there was an eight hour lineup and they would cut it off. And then people were just standing there the whole day just to get to play the demo. So it's hmm. pretty crazy. Yeah. 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 I'll just wait for the game to come out probably. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Well, uh, you might not even log as much time on the game when you buy it as <laughs> yeah. the demo would have been at E3. That's a good point. <laughs> probably won't. Um, so why don't we, uh, so like, first of all, did everybody watch, press conferences because i think i only oh, watched yes. microsoft and most of sony a little bit of ubisoft and i think that was about it i watched them all starting with ea same here on sunday all right well let's start with initial overall impressions of e3 this year frank was this a breakthrough year for e3 uh it certainly wasn't <laughs> as expected as soon as i had seen Microsoft, I knew Sony was going to decimate them as predicted on Twitter. And that did come true. Sony won hands down E3, in my opinion. Uh, I think it, part of it is there's almost this fluctuating release schedule where last year, uh, Microsoft was pretty much showing all new games that we hadn't heard of yet and getting a lot of new stuff out there. And then this year, those games are nearing completion, so we're seeing the same games we saw before. Where last year, Sony, to me, didn't announce a lot of new things, but now this year was all new stuff, and they're just like putting a ton of stuff out there. All these amazing games are coming to PlayStation 4 and to VR, which, I mean, they were the only real VR presence at E3, which I think is good for them. Uh, so... I was impressed by all their demos. The biggest difference for me between Microsoft's press conference and Sony's is how playable the games look. I look at Lost Horizon, even... Uh, what's the zombie game again? Days Gone? Days Gone, yeah. Like, I can imagine myself playing those games and God of War. The Sony press conference, all the playable demos, Final Fantasy, uh, Dragon Scale, is that it? Scalebound? Scalebound. Dragon Scale. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> they all almost looked unplayable. If that wasn't a person who knew what to do in those games, Sea of Thieves to some extent as well. well it, it was I, underwhelming. I, and Sea of Thieves, like for an exploration pirate game, the world looks so sparse. It looks unlived in. There, there's not a lot of interaction, wildlife. That game has a long way to go, I think. Uh, so Sony crushed it for me. I I don't even think it was close this year. And Nintendo, I think Zelda looks amazing, but it's getting to the point where the NX better be something spectacular because they they're hurt. Like someone like me who loves Nintendo buys everything they do and never plays it just because it's Nintendo. Even I'm getting a little sick of this uh, shtick, and they better dazzle. It's been a while, so yeah. Well, I mean that's it's not just. For people like you, I mean, it's the the company. Like they're not, they don't have anything yeah. selling right now. They have like two games coming out, or well, I guess Pokemon's coming out this year, and then like a Mario Party, and maybe that, that Metroid, Metroid Federation yeah. Force. <laughs> That's but about it. You have this Nintendo event, Treehouse event, and you started off with a Zelda trailer, which everyone is excited for, and then you go into a Treehouse segment that's translated through Japanese on Pokemon Sun and Moon for 45 minutes. It, it is a disaster. Who lets this happen? I, I don't understand how anyone could think this is a great idea. This 
people are going to love this. Well, it's, they have no, I would even, no other choice, right? I, other no, than, there is. I would even support do Zelda, then Pokemon. Whatever you're going to do. like At least lead with your big gun if you're going to do something that's an hour long that you know people are going to stick around for. It was... I was reading the comments on the broadcast. People were just laying into this thing so much. I mean, you have to know your audience to some respect. I'm not saying there's people that don't like Pokemon and it isn't a big seller for them, but those are not the people that are watching Treehouse E3 videos. Uh, I don't know about that. I, I do know. I do. <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> at Game Loft, there were a lot of Pokemon fans but just it, oh, hanging on every word. Oh, so. You had a lot of Nintendo fanboys that you worked with. It was gross. Uh, <laughs> either way, Nintendo, shame, huge shame. Sony rocked it. If they had an external hard drive, I'd be thinking uh, twice about what system I bought my games on. <laughs> if I didn't have to de- delete games every time I bought one. Yeah, that is an issue. But I, I missed out on the second run of PSVR pre-orders uh, yesterday. So hopefully I can get one of those when it comes out, but we'll see. Oh, and Sony, I mean, Sony's got an answer for this anyway, but the other big announcement for me personally was uh, like the UHD uh, 4K compatibility with uh, the Xbox One S. Right. Which I will probably wait for the Sony one just because it's only available in white. Gross. (laughs) (laughs) Give me options. I can fucking make my own controller in 20 different colors. I can't get a black Xbox One S. What, you got leftover white plastic all over? (laughs) What is going on here? They have to... They have to... (laughs) Wasn't the Xbox... Is the Xbox One available in white currently or not? Uh, There were special limited edition bundles that were. I think uh, Sunset Overdrive and Quantum Break. They're just catering to the people who didn't buy an Xbox One because they were like, fuck, it's only black, man. Just give me both. Now you lost the sale. Can't do it. You lost the sale. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's it for me. Huxley, what was your general impression? Uh, Pretty much the same as Frank's. Uh, I was really uh, unimpressed with the amount of announcements in general, except for Sony. Sony seemed to have quite a bit. Um, there seemed like there was a lot of misses. Like EA was just missed on everything. The Star Wars video, which showed basically nothing, which was like five minutes, six minutes. The, the Mass Effect video, you'd think they'd be showing something of that game now. And, and they literally showed nothing. As uh, Toes pointed out at, at work, it's like every video is... Showing how creative the people working there are. They don't show games. They just show people working on tablets and drawing. And we're putting all of our effort into it. No one cares. Every game has people working hard on it and putting everything they have into it. Give us the goods. I think that was my biggest takeaway of this E3, which like just hammered it home, is that Sony showed the games and very little talking in between. And... So many of the other conferences were like, let's bring out so-and-so from such-and-such game. Let's talk about whatever for five minutes. Then we'll show you a two-minute clip of the game. Then we'll bring up another guy to talk for five minutes. And like, just cut out all the like developer commentary, canned commentary stuff at E3 anyways. Like, Do that somewhere else. Have you know, a EA YouTube page where you do these like developer blog type things. That's fine. But why would you waste your, e- your E3 stage 
unless well, they have I nothing mean, to fill it well, with. Well, well that, that, I think that is the case. But I also think, you know, you're going to have the two-minute trailer out there on YouTube. People are going to watch that. But the, the press conference is an opportunity to do a little more than that, whether it's, you know, some sort of demonstration on stage or if you don't have that, then I guess that's when you... But if the point of the press conference is to build hype for your brand, this is killing hype. It's the opposite. Yeah. I, I would agree with Huck, and I can give a very specific example Xbox and or Sony and Microsoft both had a dedicated portion of their press conference to Final Fantasy 15. Xboxes was 15 minute long playable demo that was awkward. Uh, looked, it hurt the presentation more than anything. Sony was second and showed a two minute edited clip of all the highlights of the game. Had me way more excited for the game than what Microsoft showed just like what you show can, I, th I think Huck's right. It can hurt you more than it can help you. If you, if you're not getting the best stuff you can and you're not sure about it, it it's a, uh, it is all about spectacle now. And, but spectacle within a game is the best possible thing you can do. Like the God of war demo. It, nothing, nothing is better than that. Yeah. But I mean, this is the thing too, is like, you're saying that, you know, you better make sure what you show is good or don't show it at all. But that's why we end up with trailers instead of gameplay stuff because the gameplay stuff isn't ready to go or it could, there's something could go wrong. So they just give you like a canned trailer. And I mean, stuff like what you're saying, like God of War, Days Gone, a bunch of other things. Like I was looking online to see what the best of E3 was in general from like all the different sites. And a lot of those weren't in the running because they weren't playable. So they mm. immediately disqualified them. Um, but, but I still got a, an idea of what it would be like to play that game. The, right. There's not some mystery as to how does that work. So, where with Scalebound, there's four coordinated players doing different things, and I didn't see clear uh, prompts or like visual indicators in the game that, as a player, I would know what they're doing. And I can relate that experience and translate it. Oh, yeah, I can see myself playing that game. Whereas everything Sony showed, and most impressively Lost Horizon... I can picture myself playing that game, and it looks like it works. What is and Lost that, Horizon? I mean, or, Horizon, Horizon Zero, Zero Dawn. Dawn. Worst title for a game ever. <laughs> I can never do it. Yeah. But that game, I can, I'm picturing me with a controller doing exactly what they're doing, and I know what they're doing on the controller. And, and you're that, loving it. Well, that's a huge difference. I don't need to play it if I can imagine myself playing it, and there's, there's no confusion. Mm -hmm. Well, like think of last year when they showed ReCore. People were like, going all on about this record game and i'm like this they showed nothing they showed like some cg trailer and then this year they showed actual gameplay and i i wouldn't if you showed me both of those back to back i wouldn't know it was the same game other than that the character is the same like, yeah the the cg was like this desert thing made it look all nice and then the gameplay is like vast open spaces with this weird like vertical platforming stuff i i feel so bad for microsoft and record they are going to catch the brunt of the mighty number nine debacle because <laughs> that's the well, game I, he was focusing on when mighty number nine went to shit and all this stuff. It's just going to tarnish this game, which could have been good. And there, I don't know, but there is definitely a backlash there and not just because mighty number nine is not getting good reviews, but all because so many people were supporters on Kickstarter and there were problems with, getting the game right away. And he had two Kickstarters and, and another project on the go, yeah. right? So, But I will say, uh, you know, I'm interested in ReCore. That trailer still didn't 
do a whole lot for yeah. me. It looks kind of generic. Uh, Graham, what are your thoughts? Like, you know, maybe you have a different perspective as, you know, somebody who's actually, you know, putting games out there and you know when what you can show, what you can't show, and you have to make these decisions. Uh, yeah, I guess uh, for me, the I, I also thought Sony, Sony had the strongest showing of the thing. I, I really liked some of the surprises. I did not expect another God of War game. That Spider-Man game looks pretty Oh, yeah, cool. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Uh, one thing I can say, and I know I know someone who was on stage at one of the press conferences demoing, and none of those things are live demos. No? So, yeah, no. The, uh, there's too much. I've seen live demos before at PSX. I know they were playing Uncharted 4 live because they fell out of the world at one point, but... I think at E3 it's too big. There's too many people watching, so everything is pre-recorded. So really, they can they can put together anything that they want, and like it's really like a canned thing, and they just sure. want someone yeah. standing on the stage. Um, and that includes it could be just a like a, a prototype like target gameplay video thing. Like the first time they showed the division, you could tell that this is not this is not what the final game is going to be looking like. Uh, but anyway, I saw like most of the stuff I saw from Sony, I thought was really uh, impressive and. Uh, I think Horizon is absolutely incredibly looking. Uh, um, yeah, the yeah the ones that I mentioned, uh, uh, Spider Man and God of War, really stood out to me as like things that I'm excited for. Well, especially did you play Sunset Overdrive at all? No, I didn't. So I can imagine just like reskinning Sunset Overdrive, adding web swinging. Yeah, yeah. Within and it, it's done. It's like the game's done already. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since there's been a great Spider Man game, so I'm definitely looking forward to that it's about time somebody did that and apparently it seems like it's not tied to a movie maybe it is tied to the marvel movie i don't know like they don't have a title for it yet but that hopefully that will open them up to not have to rush it out and just kind of follow the the arkham uh format a little bit uh yeah so i mean as far as i'm concerned i i i mostly agree with you guys i don't know if i think sony was like way above microsoft i think they still had some of the same problems you're talking about where it's like games like the last guardian that we've seen for you know two or three years now and it's like okay yeah i'm excited now but i've i know this is coming you know and uh so that felt more like a put this game to bed it's yeah, coming out it's over. it it's might be shit state. but it's coming out in october <laughs> like you yeah. don't want to hear about last guardian anymore yeah exactly i would i wouldn't be surprised if they don't even show it at PSX, which I think is coming up pretty soon. Yeah. So, but yeah, they definitely had uh, at least a handful of new things that nobody knew were coming, and um, and they looked good. They looked like things I would want to play. Uh, I think M Microsoft. You look at the fact that they basically started with the reveal of the Xbox uh, One Slim, right? And then they ended with talking about Project Scorpio. So you start talking about, you know, a new version of the same console that's already out and you end by the same thing. And it's like, that's probably not a good, uh, well, <laughs> a good I, sign. I don't know how Sony's PR department works, but let's take a website like IGN. The PlayStation Neo, to my knowledge, was a real thing way before the Xbox S and Scorpio were. And... Uh, I heard about that first, like there was news articles about that. And then I think there was maybe one or two articles about it. That's it. Hey, did you hear about this? Then all of a sudden, all these rumblings that Microsoft is doing it too. And the way the the titles were written and the editorializing was 
almost focusing this decision to have uh, two versions of a console on Microsoft. Like, is this good or bad? Sony's so good at deflecting these ideas, and now they don't they don't even announce it at E3. Now they'll let the people decide what they want based on what Microsoft said. If they react terribly to it, they can course correct. They've committed to nothing. Yeah. And they're so smart on how they handle these things. And I, I'm surprised that there isn't more backlash about the Xbox One Slim and the Scorpio. I, I feel like it, it could be dangerous territory, especially based on the new 3DS and the stuff we've talked about before where games start to be almost unplayable on previous versions of the console. And I know people say, no, you have to make sure it works. Well, there's working and working well, and they're not the same, the same thing always. So what well, happened it, with uh, the Nintendo 64 with the um, expansion, expansion thing? There were definitely games that didn't work at all, or I'm pretty you sure only had wouldn't certain. Work at all. Yeah, so I mean th- that was that was an issue. I remember not having the expansion thing for a long time and being annoyed that new games I couldn't play or I couldn't play all the features of them. But the one thing that's changed a lot over the past little while is that we've got Apple putting out an iPhone every year like people are kind of into that they're they've they've become accustomed to like okay every year i'll just get a new version of this device and throw away the old one or sell the old one so i don't know it may not be as dangerous as it seems at this point but you're right that sony has the upper hand they don't have to do anything right now they just can wait see what specs microsoft has see how people react to it and then just go from there so they're in a pretty good position right now I think. Um, but yeah, so as far as other stuff Microsoft talked about, um, I guess Gears of War 4 was it was okay. potentially a big thing. I, I did not play the last one, so I don't know that I, this made me want to come back to the franchise. But. The reason why I would be excited for it, and I'm sure Huck is in the same boat as me, is if it's a good co-op campaign because there are so few good co-op campaigns. Well, yeah. did any of you guys play the beta? No. That was out? Did you? Frank? I thought it was just was it actual game or was it yeah. mul- oh I thought no, it, was it was just multiplayer. Multi- oh it was just multiplayer. Okay, okay. But I mean the shooting and everything felt really good. Yeah. And um it just felt like Gears One. Like when we were playing the Ultimate Edition yeah, it was or whatever awesome. it's called. It just felt just like that. It, it it seems like from that multiplayer demo, they didn't try to add anything or like improve on the formula. They're just like, Okay, this works and we're just gonna do it again and make it look awesome on the Xbox One. And so I'm actually, after not playing Judgment or Gears 3, I'm actually kind of excited for Gears 4, more so than any other previous Gears. So, I mean, I'm not over the moon hype, but I'm I'm watching it. Yeah, I, I again, this is the problem with sequels, right? It doesn't feel like a new announcement. Same with uh, Forza Horizon 3. Um, I'm trying to think of another. Dead Rising 4, Dead Titanfall R- 2, like <laughs> everything yeah, sequels. Yeah, even the idea of Dead Rising 4, like a Christmas in a mall, with that's a cool yeah. setting for a Dead Rising game. But, I mean, it's weird. When it's E3, it doesn't feel all that great. It's like, okay, you can make a sequel. We know. So it, it's this weird excitement, but not good enough. <laughs> like, this is E3 we're talking about. You have to dazzle. Mm-hmm. But I'm still excited for all those games, really. The only one that I'm concerned about, and did we talk about this last time? After playing the demo for Final Fantasy XV, did you guys play it? I did. No, but I've heard about it. It's bad. (laughs) It's like it is horrendous. So I mean, those two things combined, 
this could be a huge disaster for Square Enix. Yeah. And that coupled with no updates on Final Fantasy VII Remake. And this, sorry, when you were not quite as excited about Sony, where Sony could get in trouble is they are promising a lot of games, much like Last Guardian. We haven't heard a thing about Shenmue Three, Final Fantasy VII. And these might be multi-platform games, but Sony benefits by associating certain third-party games with their system, whether it's through bundles or press conference announcements. And that's a good thing when the game is really good, but it can also be a bad thing if the game never comes out or is horrible. Uh, I mean, industry people look at it a bit differently that, well, those are multi-platform games. It's not a Sony thing, but I don't think a lot of the general public feels that way. I know people who thought that Destiny... uh, Grand Theft Auto Five and Battlefront were only on PS4 because they were in bundles. So there is a different perspective out there on that stuff. Yeah. And the, uh, what was what's the Kojima game again? Death, Death Stranding. Stranding. Death, these are bad <laughs> names. Like, <laughs> I don't remember names. any of the names of these games. Uh, that game, the two last year, maybe Spider Man. Although I think that looks like it's in development. Tough to say. I mean, they have to deliver these games and not. 10 years from now or they're going to get like a huge fallback later i think but But on the other hand like them not showing some of these games that they announced last year maybe it's a smart move because they're realizing hey if we show this every single year people are going to get tired of it it's true so we'll skip a year then all of a sudden we'll be back next year and people next year we'll have naughty dogs in the game and well yeah people will be green that's true (laughs) Um, as far as other stuff uh, with Microsoft I will say I'm a a little bit excited about Titanfall 2 just because I liked what I saw of Titanfall 1 but you know for me single player campaign is more what I'm going to spend my time with and I'm interested to see what they do with that Um, was there were there other games uh, for which uh, at the Microsoft Press conference uh, did that? they show Battlefield 1 as well? They Even, did, but it's the same as what yeah. they showed at EA. Which I think, honestly, out of all the first-person shooters, I'm the new uh, Call of Duty, whatever. I'm not that interested in the space aspect, but Battlefield yeah. 1 looks like it could be amazing. I, I Yeah, you know, we, we take some shit on this show because we don't talk about Battlefield much. Uh, I will say I'm a little bit excited about this one. I mean, again, they, they say there's a single-player uh, single campaign with this one. But I think it's also a case of they've waited a while uh, to bring back the World War II thing. I'm, I, they're uh, still not. Well, this is World War One. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess. I, I think. I guess that's <laughs> why it's is. Battlefield One. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like just like something that's in the past to me is seems fresh again at this point. So I didn't. I don't know everything about this game, but I think is there some kind of twist on the single player campaign that involves time travel or a reimagined past? I where, think I did read that like it is like an alternate different technology history or something yeah. that explains some of the weird weaponry or tweaked that, weaponry. That would make a little bit of sense, okay. yeah. I, I think. I'm not sure, though. There's definitely stuff I saw in the trailer that would not have been of course. in World War One, yeah. but um, Yeah, either way, I'm with you on that. Uh, can, I, can I, while we're talking Battlefield 1, I just, did you guys watch EAs? Did you watch it, Graham? I did. I had, yeah. I had a tweet out about this, too. These people who were in the audience for EAs were the worst. Like they were, they were sitting there with their arms crossed. Like wouldn't <laughs> they would announce someone? Oh, like it's like at a wedding if someone did a speech, and 
you know, wedding speeches are never the greatest and they're done and no one claps. Like, sorry, that just wasn't a good speech. Like you have to at least give the, the minimum clapping requirement for a presentation. And these guys like just had their thumbs up their asses and oh, sorry, that just wasn't good enough. And I'm not clapping for this press conference unless you dazzle me. I hate everyone hates EA. I'm not going to be the guy who claps for EA. And they announced they're giving a million dollars to charity crickets. Like, it's, it's, ins- it's insane. Like at least show some yeah, like, they're, presence they're, at a press conference. You don't have to be to, assholes. They're trying really hard to uh, recover from their, yeah. their brand taking hits. And these are the, the, the same year, audience so. members that lap it up for Shenmue three and like start <laughs> getting on their knees and, and yes, Shenmue three. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> I know you got it in you. Give them a little tiny clap when they come out to say something for fuck's sake. Although I must, it made me so angry. I must say the one thing that was so awkward about the battlefield thing was when they had the, like Jamie Foxx and Zach oh, yeah, Efron, yeah. like, cameo to they're play like, they're paying us twenty thousand yeah. dollars to, to smoke weed with and, snoop and play yeah. battlefield and one. the host whoever it was like you guys chat to play battlefield one they're like uh y- yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> video <laughs> game hosting and presentation live stream stuff has a long way to go see but this is at least why i can respect what nintendo does you know because they don't try to be you know on stage with celebrities and all that bullshit like they can just kind of tweak the video to be quirky nintendo and at least it represents the company to an extent but i would have taken that la- like last year with the puppets and the weird stuff that's quirky nintendo i'll take that any day of the week i do not want <laughs> to sit through 40 minutes of translation well, yeah fair enough um right bud Pretty good yeah no I, I i agree with you there I did not watch the 40 minutes of translated <laughs> stuff, so... Well, you, it's quirky Nintendo. you got to give it to him, Sean. It's great. I, I don't know about that. Uh, so, other stuff? Microsoft? For any, either of you guys? Well, I have to say is uh, my Twitter prediction was 100% hands-on correct. Which was? No HoloLens, all Carmack. Although I did say... <laughs> I did say... Uh, Palmer Lucky or whatever his name is instead, but Carmack was better. I I didn't go Carmack because I didn't think he would, but I wanted to. So Carmack was there oh, showing yeah. off the Oculus, oh, although of it was, was. no, kind it was of... Gear VR. I think, I think it was showing off Gear VR, not really. Yeah, although maybe it was Oculus because they just did, they like, just did the what? partnership. Maybe it was. Uh, it anyway, it was just weird because the game they were showing off was Minecraft, right? Yeah, well, Microsoft and, owns it. Yeah, but it just seemed. I don't know. I, I would have thought there would Carmack be more ex- excitement around what he was doing on stage there, and to me it just seemed like a footnote in the press conference. Yeah, but... what the fuck, people? It's Carmack. I know. Standing O. I know. Get off your fucking feet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what, what about customizable controllers, guys? That's a Frank Cream Dream Supreme, I bet. Well, I, I, I like it. <laughs> I mean, it's not uh, going to win you E3, in my opinion, but... Whatever. I guess it's nice to have. Oh, there was one thing. There was this looking for group thing that they're adding. Uh, yeah. You know that, what I'm talking about? Yeah. The, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. The, I think that they had three announcements, right? Look at, looking for a group. Uh, commu- uh, clubs. clubs. Clubs, yeah. And what was the one other one? Arena uh, tournaments. Oh, yeah. They're, they were kind of cementing something for competitive gaming, which is kind of a big deal. But I, I do think... Microsoft's networking capability is much better, and the other big announcement was cross buy or play oh, yeah, the Windows Ten play, play anywhere. anywhere. Yeah, so they're trying cool. to appeal 
if, if, if a PC owner has a need for a home entertainment set-top box, they're obviously trying to appeal to that market. So I think that's pretty savvy. I, I definitely see it as added value. Especially it, since they're giving away Windows 10 for free. Yeah, you're, you're getting free copies yeah. of games. Yeah. Now, my prediction didn't come true, which I thought because of this, that they were going to say Xbox Live was free. Because I, I think it's free on PC. Like you don't have to pay to play online games through games for Windows. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think so. So I, you could play those. I don't, I don't know how they're going to handle that. But well, I, I still thought there would be a pay-for service with perks. Like they wouldn't abandon that. But I thought like a basic uh, online gaming was going to become free. But no such luck. It is a little weird that they're pushing the, the Windows stuff just because like I, I think you're right that you know, obviously they're hoping that people buy the Xbox as a set-top box. But if you're saying, hey, all these great games we're talking about, you can also play them on PC. Why do I need to buy the console if I'm a gamer and I already have a set-top box? You know what I mean? Like, it does seem like it's a little bit maybe uh, working against what they really need to do right now, which is sell Xbox Ones. But, um, yeah. What about your other prediction, Frank? Which one? Which uh, did not entirely come true. I don't. I made so many predictions, <laughs> so many predictions that didn't come true that I, I can't you even. Don't guess. remember the uh, Red Dead Redemption? Oh, too. and I shot that one down. What do you mean, oh, kind yeah. of didn't come true? It didn't come true at all. Oh, that's true. I, I was trying to break it to you softly, but and in that regard, okay. I was one hundred percent correct in my predictions. You were. I, I was expecting two. that too. You were expecting it. Yeah. yeah. No, Rockstar. They don't need anybody. Yeah, they can just announce it. Like but if Sony gives them free money, anything. why not? They're going to announce it anytime soon. Yeah. Like that's that's what I thought would happen. They here's you know, five hundred Gs come announce it at our press conference, <laughs> and people think you can only get it on PlayStation Four because they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I I was surprised. I, I don't. I like to make a splash with my predictions. You know, I'm not like you like to go bold. I don't care how accurate I am. I like go big <laughs> or go home. That's right. Nobody remembers when you got it wrong. They only exactly. remember when you got it right. So. Exactly. Except when they listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Sony stuff, I guess there's a few things maybe we should talk about. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, 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 oh. Well, I got to give a shout out to We Happy Few, Compulsion Games oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. on stage. I, I was actually, that was at the Microsoft one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I really like that one. Awesome looking demo. Yeah. Yeah, that game's coming along. I'm in the Kickstarter. I get... I'm on updates. I just saw 62 updates came. Oh, in. So he's force feeding this thing. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. He's already, he's already committed. Yeah. Well, Graham and I used to work with Guillaume, so we got inside. I, th I think track. It, I think it looks good. I, I'm a little like it's very close to Bioshock. Clearly, so I don't know. If it, like it's inspiration. I, I, I can see there being some similarities, but Bioshock, like right? it's like you load the backtracking of Bioshock. Oh, I, right? I hate it. Right. Okay. <laughs> but I mean, it's a, it's a different style game. It's drawing from like the Prisoner, yeah, Brave cool. New World, like all kinds of dystopian fiction, not just Bioshock. Like Bioshock didn't invent. I agree. That stuff, it looks so. cool. Okay, no arguments. Okay. And then the only other thing, the other game was they talked about uh, Inside, which actually I didn't even realize came out so soon at the time. There, I don't know what's going on with this game. Well, Frank and I played it. We'll talk about it later, but um, it just seems. No, I'm kind of out of the loop, but it seems like completely under the radar. Oh, yeah. They didn't build up like, at all. I don't know yeah. where the hype is for this game. I haven't seen any marketing. I haven't heard anyone talking about it. It's just like there. 
I think they tried to do the thing that Frank loves, which Ubisoft did pull off as well, but the sort of like, we know this thing's, well, it was announced, it, it, people knew it existed, but they, they wanted to be like, boom, here it is, and it's coming out in like two weeks. Or I think three they weeks. knew it was going to get a lot of high review scores. Like, So they just I didn't th- need to. Based push on, it. you know, journalists. They're not a glitzy game, they're an, an indie game with a cool art style positive reviews are going to sell copies of that game. So I, I think it was a, but I don't a, know, a smart I don't, maneuver. I don't know for sure. Like if you're looking at review, like review scores, yes. But if you're just an average consumer, this is like the only thing I've heard about this game in two, three months, four months, more longer. Yeah. The only other thing that I think they did was they made limbo free like two weeks ago on steam. Yeah, uh, right. And I was like, oh, they didn't even say why they're doing it. It's just it, it, free yeah. all of a sudden. It was free on uh, Xbox One as okay. well, I think. Was, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it, it was, just seems it was, so weird. It was definitely like a centerpiece of their press conference. But outside of that, yeah, I haven't really seen or heard much about it. Yeah, so. I don't know. It just seems weird. It's just kind of, they kind of threw it out there to die, it almost looks like. I don't know why. The payola was in already. Those reviews were coming. We know what's up, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do we want to dive into the Scorpio Neo kind of next Xbox talk now, or do you want to do that later? We can do it now. I mean, I don't know. Well, because they talked about it at the end. They closed the show with it. Or do we? Uh, Yeah, I I don't know enough, I guess, to make a a positive statement other, other than I guess it's a good thing for someone like me who buys everything, but... I don't know how good it is for a, a general consumer. And I know there's a large section. This is why I think it could hurt PS4 more than Xbox is because obviously there's a lot more PS4 sold and kids are, are probably a majority of people asking their parents for PS4s and parents who see there's a new PS4 out already are, I've already heard stuff about this, that they're angry. Uh, and that's, I guess, part of the, the cost of winning for Sony at this point. But uh, I honestly, I thought people would be more upset. I, I don't care. It doesn't affect me all that much. It definitely affects developers. So oh, yeah. uh, maybe Graham might want to talk about that a bit, how he feels yeah, so as a it, developer. When they announced uh, the Scorpio at E3, uh, the reaction was exactly the opposite of what the reaction was when there was rumblings about the Neo from, from people. I, I found... Uh, because it was like, wow, the specs that they're talking about for this thing are incredible. Like, how are they going to do that? Is it even going to be possible? Like, everyone is, like, kind of in wonder about the Scorpio thing. And uh, also because it's so far away, it's not really, like, an imminent threat to, like, you have to, like, drop everything and start yeah. developing for it or whatever. And with specs that high, how does it coexist is, an, is another question. That's a big question, yeah. So it's I think it's kind of going to be, like, because they also said it's going to be backwards compatible and everything, right? So, uh so I mean, it means like there has to be one of two things. It's either like you're developing your game for the slowest platform, and then it's not the Scorpio's not taking advantage of it, mm-hmm. or you're developing for the the Scorpio and you're making like the best version there, and then you're pulling it back, which is kind of like when the PlayStation Four first came out, and they're also making PlayStation Three versions of the games, right? You don't want to play the PlayStation Three version anymore. You want the PlayStation mm-hmm. Four version because it's going to look better, right? So, um, 
Except they're I, not branding it that way. They're not like branding that really way at all. They're really weird si- place to be. Yeah, yeah. It is much more like what Sean was saying with the iPhone. It's like, uh, except because of the hardware differences, it's going to be so vast. I feel like it's going to be, you know, people who don't have the Scorpio are going to be upset. I think when when it comes out and they're have, they're playing the shitty version of the game. Well, uh, there's going to be five consoles on the market, right? There's going to be both versions of Sony's, both versions of Microsoft's, and Nintendo. And PC, I guess six. Mm-hmm. Well, three versions of Microsoft's, right? I mean, I, I don't think there's the, anything. The, the that technical you can take specs for the as a developer on. I think the slim. slim's the same, just smaller. Except that it is 4K output. Yeah, but I games, don't know if it is games for games can't though. 4K on uh, on the slim. It's just video services, yeah. I think. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Man, I, I just see a world bullshit. where, like, you look at these six systems, and a developer would say, "Okay, what's the weakest out of these six? We develop one version for that, yeah. and that's what the three lesser versions get. And then what's the weakest of the next three or four, wherever Nintendo lies, and make a version for that lowest base denom- denominator? And maybe if you have a lot of money, you do like a, a balls-out version for PC and Scorpio, which is like Grand Theft Auto. Is the, like Stuff like that would do that maybe. But And what you were mentioning before, how... There's all these games slated to come out, and they're taking so long. Well, now you're throwing two more SKUs into the mix with more cert, more testing, more developers needed, longer timelines needed, especially if you're doing, like, especially if you're a smaller team, like, like Graham and, and like, the rest of us, we're just in small studios. And, you know, you now, if I want to release, like, Citizens released on PS4, do I want to then go through double cert get an extra dev kit because now I need to test on the Neo. Like all the extra costs are just going to add up for the small guy way faster than the big guy. But then the big guy also is trying to get this awesome game out the door and now they have to scale it back. That's going to be brutal. Like Ram was saying, like going back to the PS3. I would think if you passed PS4 cert, you would pass Neo cert automatically with that build. Like if Uh, if you didn't make a different, I don't know if they could do that. If they, if there is a way that they Obviously, can guarantee that every existing that the... PS4 game is going to work on, you don't have to to resert a game that came out two years ago, and I'm pretty sure it will work on the Neo. Yeah, you're probably right. About I, I, that. Would, I would assume it will. As far as indies go, they're targeting the PS4 as their yeah, highest as level. Par- yeah. It well, sh- like what about, just go over what about the 3DS? I mean, this isn't a perfect comparison but there's different versions of the 3ds out yeah. there do you have to cert multiple times for that or no no you don't but i know there are things that you can like that are only available on the three the new one like the uh the processor power obviously yeah like that stuff and i think there's a little more memory isn't there an analog stick uh automatically it might be yeah so you got to like query for all that stuff which is kind of a pain in the ass but um yeah, there is only one cert process. Hmm. But I mean, for if you were, like, I don't even know how, like we were talking about, I think last show, like Xenoblade Chronicle X, and I think you were talking about some Zelda game that only runs on the Hyrule, 3DS. Wa- no, well, Hyrule Warriors. Hyrule Warriors works on both, but they did separate reviews for the old and new 3DS, and the old one is barely playable. And yeah. then the other one is the Super Nintendo... Uh, Virtual console games yeah. for 3DS only work on the new one. Okay, so if you're targeting... So let's say you're making Xenoblade Chronicles X. You almost have to like waste time to make sure it actually plays on the older one. 
I don't know what you do. I guess you'd scale back the number of enemies or something, like do something in there. But, I mean, it seems like such a pain and such a waste. You're, like, going out of your way to make your game shittier just so it'll pass cert on this platform that they're trying to double support. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, even if there is only one certification process that covers all these different SKUs, you're still going to have to test on the different systems. Yeah. And that's time and money. And in, and like Frank was saying, in theory, if you're targeting the PS4 or the original Xbox One, like you should be good, but you can't just rely on that because who knows? Yeah, definitely. Uh, but the one thing that just occurred to me, and I think this may be, rather than seeing games where... Um, you know, like they're they're crippled on the lower end version or whatever. You might see a lot of launching first on the high end one because that's the focus, and then a few months later the lower that end version happen. comes out. Oh, like, I, I, kinda, I don't think so. Actually, I, yeah, no. I'm shaking my head with Graham too. I don't think that's <laughs> happening. That's yeah. that happened with what you were talking about with like PS4, PS3 ports, and yeah, stuff like that. Those were completely different. Yeah, this yeah. architecture, so. Well, that's true. I think but, these consoles have to coexist. I think so, too. I think it's going to be like a single storefront, and if it works on one, it has to work on both, and if you buy I, it, you're going to get it on both. Yeah. I think it'll just be called a PS4 yeah. game. And Pactor, although Pactor seems to be really set on the idea of one of these is going to splinter and just make it a new console. Yeah, if, if anyone's going to do it, it's probably the Scorpio. I think, I think so, too, yeah. based on the specs, right? Like, it, I think that could happen. Right, you know, uh, like you I, know how much Practor is wrong. That guy's wrong yeah. all the time. <laughs> I know, but I love him. He's a <laughs> I mean, like I'm not saying that it's. But he's it would coming be a, at it from a certain angle, right? He's I coming at so. it from the the, the do re mi angle. So <laughs> that that usually drives these businesses. Although you could say right now Microsoft is it from a gaming perspective needs to build reputation, and they are not in a do re mi position for games they are like trying to get people to commit to their platform because so many have gone to sony yeah well and the other thing is they are just they're looking at this as another chance to get people to buy their console like if you know ps4 and xbox one came out the first time around and you you chose ps4 maybe the second round you'll be like all right i'll go for they have external hard drives why wouldn't i buy that console it's the greatest feature ever Right? Sure. If I'm looking at two consoles, one has external storage in this digital age, and one doesn't. I have to take out my whole hard drive and put a new one in. <laughs> like, That's the only so, way I can get a bigger hard drive for this thing? So I don't have a, I don't have a PS... Uh, sorry, I don't have an Xbox One. So I think I'm the only one here who doesn't have one. Yeah. Okay. So what are you thinking? Well, so when I started hearing the rumors about the Neo, I was like super excited because I'm like, I can't wait to play games in 4k. And you know, this is going to be the first system that, and then Microsoft comes and announced this is the Scorpio thing. And I'm like, Whoa, I want to wait for the good thing. That's another thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't have one of those yet. So it's like perfect for you, especially yeah, when it's white, especially when it's white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I think that was a really smart move by Microsoft to find people like me who are like hearing about the Neo interested in the Neo. And it's like, Whoa, wait a second. If I just wait a little bit longer, I'm going to get this even better thing. Oh, I thought you were saying you're going to hold off buying the Slim to get the Scorpio. Both. Both, yeah. Where I was saying hold, where I'm going to hold off buying the Slim, buy the Neo, then buy <laughs> but, but the thing <laughs> is, the, the, the Neo specs haven't been announced yet, right? No, they haven't been announced yet. But if you read all the rumors and everything, like they're all listed in those things. So, But I just I feel like because they haven't announced it, 
they are waiting to see, and they could come out with something that matches or is close to the Scorpio. That's true, because they haven't announced that they still have the flexibility to adjust based on Microsoft mm-hmm. C3. Right, Yeah. which I, I think they might be doing, but um, but then, so... Just, the weirdest thing is this whole start, the whole Neo thing started because of VR. Right. Right, and which that's is, why everyone thought Sony was going to be first to the game, because they have VR coming out. In yeah, so they need better hardware to run and that stuff. It's kind of weird how it's playing out that they announced nothing <laughs> for something that is birthed out of VR, which and is they're the only ones that have yeah. VR coming out this year. So yeah. I would not be surprised well, to see that system it, sooner than later. They'll announce it at the PlayStation Experience for sure. Yeah, they could for sure. When, they, when they is that? To. Uh September, October? No, no, it's earlier. Probably I, December. I thought it was de- December this year, oh, right? I don't, I don't know if they've announced it for this year, but last two times it was in December. Oh, yeah, wasn't that December. late? Oh, I thought mm-hmm. it was pre kind of holiday, but I, I don't know. I've never like been early or... December. Yeah. Oh, okay. But okay, getting to that, it does make sense. I know companies are getting away from E3. Like, you can pick your make your own E3. Like, if you have something good to announce, like Nintendo, if they decide when to an- announce it. They can have a whole week where people are just talking about that. It's easy to see why companies are not doing E3 anymore. I'm sure people win, but next week if Nintendo announces the NX and it's amazing, people are going to forget it. Like, it's so fast how it's like, okay, what now? What now? What now? So like, this war of PR is becoming a real deal in games and when you announce stuff and yeah, well, it used to be everything was announced at E3, and now it's like we well, have to space it out. Well, why, why take a chance of getting lost in the shuffle well, like, yeah. when you can have a day or a week dedicated to you, like how games will buy uh, uh, like a week at IGN, right? Where it's like every day there's a feature about that game, or maybe I don't know if they buy it or if the PR companies buy it, or, or it's like a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type of scenario. And then you have like daily stories on a game where that's the predominant game for a whole week on a website, why not do that rather than be a game that people say, nah, it looked lame at E3. I know I saw something on Twitter announced like a week before E3 started and then it just blew up. Like, And then after I saw that one tweet or whatever, Game Informer article or something, it was almost like everyone announced stuff like a week before. It's just yeah. like constant boom, 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 mm-hmm. boom, boom. Like all leading up to E3, I'm like, why even say anything during this window anymore like it's they, just impossible that's, that's why they did it because they wanted to do it before e3 so they could beat the rush of, i don't like, i don't think no, but why not shuffle. why not wait like three weeks after e3 or four weeks after e3 or anything i think it's not around e3 those ones is because i think they were at e3 and stuff is getting leaked from e3 maybe from, yeah from press kits and photos and it's like someone else is stealing our thunder we might as well try to get like yeah. 20 minutes of exposure for this thing while we can because someone else is going to ruin it like uh the scorpio was underwhelming because of that reason too the the weekend before there was already pictures of it all the marketing was out and it's like okay so when they announce it at e3 it's like who cares i don't care this is didn't you announce this a year ago this is nothing to me i need new things (laughs) so new i need it now gimme 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 i need (laughs) <laughs> okay, so last thing on the topic of the um, 
the multiple consoles, did Microsoft screw themselves by announcing both at the same time? Like, is nobody going to buy the Slim now because they know the Scorpio? Like, I like might Graham have, already yeah, said, I, I might have bought it, but no. <laughs> yeah. Well, are you, are you buying it, Frank? The Slim? Well, you already said it's white. So yeah, that's not. a problem. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I'll be buying it. Huh. I guess I think they did, but I think what could have maybe saved them is if they announced a rough timeline for the Scorpio. And if it was far enough out, yeah, that's true. people might have th- still bid on the Slim if they didn't have one like Graham. But now that Scorpio's just appears to be like right there in the distance, no one's going to bite on the Slim. It, it seems stupid to pay when you can just wait. I mean, it could be another year, but... Yeah. Why? Why spend I, I, four or five hundred bucks and the, then have to spend more again? I guess the only smart thing about it, well, aside from the fact that maybe it leaked and they couldn't help it anyway, but like you know, at least uh, consumers have all the information, so they're not going to be pissed if they do announce the Scorpio a few months after the Slim's out and people are going to be like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> I was going to say the same thing, but the weird thing is, us as consumers. We're selfish. We don't go, oh, that was nice of Microsoft. <laughs> we say, oh, they're idiots. Like, <laughs> so yeah. when companies actually do nice things like EA donating to charity or having deals and stuff, we're like, nobody cares. It gets, it gets you nothing. <laughs> it is so dumb. The yeah. only thing I think they could do to salvage it is if they announce the date like of Scorpio sometimes around the time when the Slim comes out. Did they even say when the Slim's coming out? August 31st. Uh, Oh really? That early? Okay, I, I knew it was this year. But so let's let's pretend they give a date to Scorpio on that day. They need to drop the price of the Slim, like lower than the current Xbox One. Drop them all. That way, there's actually like some people might bite because it's a lower price and say the Scorpio will be at five hundred. This is now four hundred or whatever. It is pretty cheap already, like two ninety nine. Yeah, okay. I mean, they're already cheaper. That's U.S. price. They're already cheaper than any other 4K Blu-ray player. Yeah. Uh, it, it is pretty good. It, even a 4K streaming box, it's almost the best deal. So that that's what they're counting on, I think. Yep. TV, TV, TV. <laughs> bye, bye, bye. Bye, bye, bye. Uh, okay, so let's go through a few other things. So Sony, um, we didn't talk too much about the God of War thing. That was obviously... One it was of their biggest announcements. I was pretty excited. I I did not play the last God of War. A lot of people seemed kind of underwhelmed by it. It was definitely yeah. time to reinvent this franchise. The only thing I will say, watching the trailer, and I guess they're they're changing the mythology from Greek to Norse mythology. The only thing that I was thinking as I was watching it, like it looked great, but I was kind of like, does it need to be God of War? Like, isn't is that kind of weird that it's God of War? Looked just like a Tomb Raider game yeah. with the skin. I, I, I disagree. Like, yeah? you have these, he fought some huge mythological creature with, like, canned animations and semi-quick time events on this, like, ice, sheet of ice that's falling apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that's not God of War, I, I don't know what is. So, I the biggest thing to me I took from that is, and we'll talk about this when we talk Uncharted 4 for sure, is how much Sony is like infusing the last of us into all of their games, like presentation wise, length wise, uh, that game was so popular and admittedly amazing. I, I almost think they've gone too far 
with the influence of that game on other games. Where you think it's Sony though, or just like I th- I the think developers? I, I think everyone. I think it's both. I th- I think um, people saw the success of that game and this whole you know emotional story. Try- and you know what? For some games, it's just not that important to have that. For me personally, it's some games it works, but there is a place for a God of War game, which is frantic action. That's not to say I don't think this game will be good, but I'm starting to miss that every game, or not miss, starting to semi-lament that every game is becoming a reskinned Last of Us in a lot of ways. So I hope this has God of War type stuff in it on top of the slick presentation and story aspects of uh, The Last of Us. It's not just The Last of Us. It's also Uncharted. Like, everybody's... What game was it that had, like, a whole bunch of climbing in it that... I can't remember what it was now, and I was like... Tomb Raider? Yeah, I was thinking... Well, Tomb Raider is the obvious one, but there was something at E3 this year that had climbing... That's what it was. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. And I was like, yep, straight from Uncharted. (laughs) It's weird. Well... The reason why I disagree with you is because Uncharted changed because of Last of Us. Like yeah. Uncharted Four is not Uncharted One, Whoa. Two, or Three. Foreshadowing here. Well, I, I'm just saying, like that—that's the biggest takeaway I took from that game is it's half Last of Us, half Uncharted Four. Uncharted Four. <laughs> did I say that right? But God of War that clearly played a role in how they designed this game. Yeah, no, I I do agree with you there. And it's not 100% a bad thing either. I'm not saying, like, this is a disaster. It's just interesting to me that this is a a general direction. Yep. Um, Yeah, I mean, and just the fact that, you know, Kratos has, you know, a companion throughout the the game. Like, that's straight out of The Last of Us, although they do it in all the Uncharted games. The camera angle, too, right? The camera angle is completely different for a God of War game. Yep. And I, I think, I guess the biggest change is... It's, it looks camera. like it's a player-controlled camera, yeah, right? Where yeah. it got what made God of War kind of a big deal was fixed cameras mm. and very cinematic moments. Yeah, a huge epic scope with camera. I mean, you can still do that with a free-moving camera, but it's it's a big uh, shift in the series, and it probably needed it to be fair. But Ascension was bad, and it wasn't bad because they didn't execute on a God of War game. They changed how you play God of War because of the multiplayer aspect. All AI became like a gang tackle model. You you couldn't even play it on hard anymore because of design changes. And I think this game will be way better than Ascension. It looks amazing. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. Uh, What else were you guys excited by? Uh, at the Sony, you already talked about Spider-Man, which I agree. I think looks quite good. Death Stranding, we touched on it. I, I mean, I'm excited in the sense that um, you love Norman Reedus. You're always talking about. <laughs> oh, Last Last Stranding. Is it called what? Last Stranding, or did I type that in wrong? It's De- it's Death Stranding. Death Stranding. Oh, I, I definitely typed it. In. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking Last, last Stranding. <laughs> That's how memorable that title is. Um. Yeah, I mean the trailer was kind of, kind of corny, I guess. I mean, Huck but... said it. it. It's like we have K- Kojima. That's all it was. Yeah, it's a big yeah. f you to Microsoft. Thank you. Or to Konami, maybe more so. Oh, uh, or both. Yeah, but if if this is kind of picking up on the whole um, yeah, for sure. P P P T thing, yeah. then I'm I'm interested. Um, 
Yeah. We'll see when it comes out. That's that's all. uh, The Last Guardian, anything else to say about that? I'm excited for it. I just hope it delivers. Yeah. Yeah. Excited to see the flop. You think it's going to deliver? I I think we're looking at a 7.5 out of 10 here, boys. (laughs) No chance. (laughs) I'm thinking six. This is one of those predestined games that the critics are going to give a free pass. No, I think maybe I've seen some, like, I spent... What was the one article on IGN? I've spent 30 minutes with Last Guardian. and like That's a hype piece all the way. <laughs> Maybe a 2.5 on uh, uh, Polygon. Or, or I guess 5 on Polygon. <laughs> okay. Uh, Days Gone, which that was another new IP they announced. Basically looks like Sons of Anarchy and The Walking Dead. Meets the last of us. Meets the last of us. Which, which <laughs> the one thing I would add to that is meets World War Z. And the reason I say that is I'm also sick of zombie games in general. But the one difference this game had is it looks like weaponry is very effective against zombies. Like they were piling up. And I know when I play Dead Rising, it, it almost becomes a chore to get through zombies, which gets tedious after a while. And even Dead Island. Like... Unless you had a good weapon, it's more about, like, the survival and, you know, finding stuff and, like, a monotonous combat system. Where this looks like it's an action zombie game, which seems a little refreshing. Uh, yeah. Looks polished. I'm not, like... Did they give a release date for that? I don't think so, eh? I don't think so. I think it's a ways off still, yeah. for sure. But, you know, I, I'm down for riding motorcycles into zombies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Resident Evil 7 Meh. that yeah I'm kind of excited about that game just because of the PT vibe I'm getting from it uh, I'm always curious certainly part 6 was maybe a bit of a misstep but... I gotta replay 6 I only played one mission but I want to be the defender of 6 it is not as bad as people <laughs> said you try. you try you are the no, defender no I didn't of six, play it so. enough to to say I am the Dwight defender. Why and I tried to play a co-op and it was unplayable. <laughs> unplayable, he says. It, oh, it sorry, was, we played it for a bit and it, then it quit. Was pretty rough. Well, yeah. Dwight and I did finish Resident Evil Five co-op. Yeah, which, which I enjoyed. Is a feat. Is it for us and you? Well, for me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Finishing a co-op game like literally online together yeah. is tough to do. Yeah, That's true. we've been trying to do Gears for th- four months now. We've done one level. <laughs> and what a level it was. <laughs> so, But they did put out a demo, and none of us have played it, I guess? No. I didn't even know they put a demo out. Yeah, well, they they put it out. They, they said it was out like pretty much right after the press conference, and then I looked, and it wasn't out in Canada for like almost 24 hours, yeah. I think. <laughs> so that was kind of annoying. But I downloaded it and just never got to it. Um, but I, I will be... Interested to check that out. Uh, PlayStation VR. I, I, this is, you know, again, this is one of the problems with the VR stuff. Tough to sell with trailers, etc. Um, have you had a chance to play VR stuff at all? Or Some no? VR stuff, but not the PlayStation VR. No. no? Yeah. Um, so what are you guys, like, saying about this? Are you excited? I played the PlayStation VR, but it was, like, a year and a half ago, so it's completely different, I imagine. Right. But I'm excited for it only because it seems like it's the lowest barrier of entry. Though with the Neo, makes me imply, makes me think that you almost will need the Neo to not get sick when playing with the VR. 
Um, so I am interested in VR, but I can't see myself going this route anymore. I almost want to just save up for a better graphics card and go like HTC Vive. He's vibing. I'm vibing. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so torn on this right now because I, I, I want nothing more than to be a part of the VR revolution, but I'm not really <laughs> seeing any options that are reasonable right now. Like the Sony one I thought would definitely be my go-to thing, but the price tag is way too high, I think, still. Like, I mean, it's more than I paid for the PS4. I, I think the problem in part is Canada, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. it's only three ninety nine in the States. Yeah. It doesn't seem as crazy. And then you see like 550 bucks and 700 for the one with like, I have the camera and one move thing. So I'm like, now do I need to go buy a second move controller? Crap. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably 70 bucks. Yeah. So or like, where are you going to find it? Well, I'm, they'll probably re-release them for VR, obviously. But I guess what I thought they did right with VR was align themselves with IPs that people want. Like mm-hmm. Star Trek, yeah. you got your... Mm-hmm bridge simulator or whatever like you got to be loving that yeah that looks pretty cool (laughs) and uh star trek star wars batman i mean yeah and there are like lots of just original ips that are intriguing to me for this stuff as well but like um i don't remember names (laughs) but i've seen some things that look pretty cool some launch titles for sony that i would final fantasy 15 See that? I mean, I what don't. I'm could not. Could you possibly do in VR in that game? I, I don't know. I think that was just a sickness simulator. <laughs> I think that's. I do. I. They released a long time ago. It was like a wildlife of Final Fantasy 15 video. Did you guys see this? No. The wildlife does look amazing. Like these, <laughs> yeah. These mystical creatures that they have. Like I would do a a, a final if they just had a zoo that you walk through. I would do. I would buy it for that. It would be amazing. You know, you know what I just thought of, which I have not seen, which seems like, an, like an obvious application for VR is some sort of racing game. They have space sims, but have you guys seen any racing but, games? Like, I wonder partially. if the motion blur is just too much. Well, I think the biggest thing was well, this isn't a racing game, but the thing I saw was that bur- that flight game that Ubisoft has. Oh, Eagle oh, Flight, or yeah, whatever. yeah, where you're like a flying racing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, I can see that getting you pretty sick. That's like a roller coaster. Maybe, yeah. But I, I think, I know, like, some people are really excited for it just from, on PC, uh, a driving perspective. Flight sims and yeah. driving simulators. You think, like, Forza or uh, Gran Turismo would be all over this. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised they didn't have Gran Turismo at the show yeah. showing off VR. But maybe maybe with the, per- I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just too blurry. Because you're going so fast in those games, maybe it'd be more yeah. like for kart racers, like Mario Kart VR. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be stuff. It's just, I got. Do you guys feel like that's what's going to sell the the VR? Is like VR version of X game that you already like? I, think, I like. I'm not really that with, interested in. That I think stuff. The, the craze for VR, not my personal craze, is going to be horror games. Like, yeah, yeah. how immersive something like that can be, like how effective it makes that experience and isn't like a fast moving type of experience either. I think people are going to love that. Well, isn't that how uh PewDiePie or whatever his name is, got all his 
followers by doing like horror games where you just get scared shitless. Yeah. So they are pretty huge on YouTube for so sure. So brand new, brand new YouTubers coming through pretty soon. Yeah. No, I, I, I think that's and a good point for consoles. It's not a big deal, but like maybe leisure suit. Larry makes a comeback. for. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh, Down for that. That's one thing I forgot to mention about E3 when I was walking around the show oh, floor. I want to hear this story. Speaking <laughs> of leisure suit Larry, you jogged my memory. Uh, the booth that had the most people at it was Naughty America with the VR uh, porn. It was for, literally yeah, a VR was, porn booth? Yeah, a VR porn booth, Naughty America. The crowds were insane. It was crazy. <laughs> <I know. laughs> they know their crowd. Yeah. So uh, was Can't it like... Can't get pop-ups on VR, eh, Dwayne? <laughs> was, was uh, <laughs> oh, there, there will be. Don't worry. Uh, was this pl- like right beside the Nintendo booth? Yeah, <laughs> that, it was actually was... not too far from <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. I can't all, believe uh, that Samsung was there. VR. Yeah, Samsung yeah. VR. And uh, yeah. That'd be, like tons of people. That'd be terrifying. Stars, Walking nice. b- past there, you got to like watch the the oh. head and waist. To try to avoid. <laughs> I can I can only imagine some of the some of the guys at this thing. Oh my god, it's a disaster. And that's the stories we were looking for right there. <laughs> S- sweatpants permanently banned <laughs> at E3. <laughs> no sports oh, shorts. No sweatpants. Get out of here. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, okay, any other Sony stuff that needs to be mentioned? Yes. Durr. The announcement of the show. Yes, was. here it is. Crash Remakes HD. <laughs> ah, yes. These better be coming soon. This will be my last Guardian. If it's two years from now and I don't have my Crash HD remake, or even worse, they remake it and they fuck with the controls, there's going to be hell to pay. <laughs> Those games well, are perfect. They're waiting to see, you know, Uncharted 4 might be the gateway to bring well, people back clearly to Crash. Was. So that's, <laughs> that's what they're hoping for. You When you played that in Uncharted 4, you knew this announcement was coming. Did you? Yes. As predicted on Twitter. <laughs> haven't haven't they been wearing like cl- crash shirts to like every press no, before this? Uncharted Four sealed anything? the deal. Oh, yeah, of course they did. <laughs> okay. uh, and the other top one, the Detroit uh, gameplay demo slash almost forgot storyline. <laughs> what oh, that what looks so what's good. the full title? Detroit something something. Yeah, Detroit, <laughs> yeah, it's Detroit something something. I don't. Know well, you you love Quantic, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I thought it was the most interesting aspect of that game was. You know, replaying a scenario with different choices, or yeah, I didn't quite know if that was like you can replay it, or if these are all the things you could. Like do. you can replay it immediately after you do it, it. It seemed like that was part of the mechanic. Uh, hmm. That's actually yeah, that's pretty almost good like a time rewind. Yeah, kind it's of thing. Edge of Tomorrow almost. Hmm. Yeah, which is amazing. I mean, that gives you more appreciation for the game without having to play it fully through a bunch of times right because I, I think both could be interesting i i think we all like quantic dreams you know seamless presentation of your experience of the game and no fail states uh i think that's really cool so i don't know if i necessarily want to see them diverge from it but if it is a cool mechanic and it works i'm down yeah the only other thing i've written down is the call of duty infinite warfare trailer which is like that space one that they didn't even really imply it was call of duty until the very end till they showed yeah. the title card and i think that was the only press conference that had that 
demo, was it not? Yeah, I think so. I didn't even watch it. That's the Which, only thing I fast forwarded. Really? So, yeah. I mean, I wasn't that blown away, but it did look nice. But I was just surprised because isn't Call of Duty Microsoft's bread and butter? Not anymore. Uh, like since Blops Three or whatever, COD Blops Three. Well, whenever the big new console things were, they secured exclusive DLC. Did they okay. for for next gen and. I think a lot of uh, Call of Duty players have flopped or oh. flipped, whatever you want to say. Flipped and flopped. Flip-flopped. Uh, okay. So, Nintendo, I guess maybe we should touch a little more on Zelda. No? First, Twitch uh, seppuku. <laughs> <laughs> it was so bad. Like, I, I still cannot. I watched it again today. I just put it on as a refresher. <laughs> and I could not believe how bad it was. Zelda looks great, but I'm not even thinking about that. I'm just thinking about how bad that was. Graham, well, you, t- you love... Say why. Why was it so bad? Because it was 40 minutes of like translation. Translations. <laughs> and like a game that doesn't even look that great. And just the the presentation level is like... it's. I think I said on Twitter too, it was like, you know, the sketch on Saturday Night Live, the sweaty balls, the NPR sketch, <laughs> like it felt like that for real. It, it had no energy at all. Oh my God. That is a perfect analogy. That's, that's what it was. And I'm not even blaming the girl. Like she, she like, I think it was this her first one. I'm not sure. She replaced the girl that got fired or whatever. I don't know exactly what happened there, but I mean, she's clearly passionate about Pokemon which is fine, but as as an external observer who doesn't care that much about Pokemon, it just could not be more boring. I think what also I found weird was that the, I think it was the Pokemon one, the guy speaking Japanese would talk for like five yeah. minutes without letting the translator <laughs> jump in. Yeah. And then she'd have to like try to like figure out what he oh said in that God. five minutes. Talk about just killing the conversation. All right, so Zelda, you kind of already touched yeah, on it, give us Graham, the goods, but Graham. like, what? Give us how? How did it feel? How was the actual gameplay? <laughs> how did it feel? It totally, it totally surprised me. It doesn't feel like any of the other Zeldas that I've ever played before. Uh, it seems to be borrowing a lot of elements from uh, from uh, different games from other consoles. Like I got a Witcher vibe pretty heavily. Witcher is definitely part of it. Yeah, Assassin's Creed. Like the, the way that the way that the world is kind of laid out. Uh, it's very Assassin's Creed like where like there's different regions in the world and then uh, you discover these towers that that grow out of the ground and then it reveals all the points of interest within a region uh, so you're kind of revealing the map bit by bit um, and then each of the points of interest are like there's like a lot of different types of things and wh- when I was playing it I went to this one thing I can't remember what they call them but it's essentially like a little mini dungeon with a uh, you go inside and uh, they gave me this mechanic where I had like some magnetism power. So I was able to move magnetic blocks around and solve puzzles. So like you're moving blocks around to make bridges and pulling things out of walls so you can go through. Uh, so I solved like three or four puzzles and there would there would have been a heart piece reward probably. There was nothing there in the demo that I was playing. Uh, and the girl told me, yeah, there's like oh, more than 100 of these in the world. I'm like, whoa, because I, you know, I was playing this thing for like 20 minutes. Like, uh, so it kind of gave me a sense of like the, the scale of the world that they're building. Um, just like some of those at some points, like you're standing on the edge of a cliff and looking out and you just can see so much stuff. And it's like, uh, 
kind of kind of like in the witcher like blood and wine there's like these vistas where you're like looking across the world and you're like wow i can go anywhere in here so like this sense of an open world for the first time i feel like they're actually pulling it off uh um and the controls they just felt so solid like um uh can't really compare it to anything because uh there's no other games really out there like that but you're just kind of fluidly going back and forth between like pulling out your bow and shooting guys that are running at you and they get close and you pull out your sword and you're just hitting them and uh um yeah it's just i I don't know it's like totally totally smooth polished experience and uh it feels like it's from what i played it feels like it's pretty close to being ready to ship i mean maybe there's parts of the world they haven't built out yet but uh yeah i was i just walked away like totally impressed by like the level of polish they had in there Uh, Hmm. so and you felt when you were playing that it was dense like the witcher or so when, when i got it when i watched it obviously not the same uh i was not that impressed only because it just seemed like there was a lot of random nothingness to do like random dungeons, random enemy camps that just see almost like random pop-ups here and there. Yeah. And then chopping trees. Chopping trees, <laughs> finding well, berries. It's like totally that possible kind of that, that, yeah, so just playing for about half an hour, there were, I never felt like I repeated a single thing the whole time. So, But you're right, it could totally be like, uh, like how many times am I going to have to chop these trees down? Yeah. yeah eventually, like, but see, The Witcher that, is so dense. Like not only just in things to do, but people, towns trees bushes wolves like random things like that where i almost like playing the witcher almost always on edge and that game when i saw the trailer now it could just be that area like opening area very wide open not much landscape okay you can cut down the trees or whatever but did you get the sense that there was more density as you kind of progressed through the demo or was it all kind of like open like that? It, everything through the demo, and it might have been staged like this, it just felt like something new all the time. So yeah, okay. like you wake up, you go outside, you look at the world, then you then it gives you like this point, like a target point for you to go to. And you and you look at it and you say, oh, there's like a, an old man sitting by a campfire like on the way there. So then you start going that way and then you're passing by this big tree and you're like, oh, I can climb the tree. Oh, I can pick apples. And then you get to the campfire and it's like the campfire has this thing where you can cook the apples and you're like, oh, I can cook the apples. And they start talking to the man and it's like just thing after thing after thing and like just unexpected things that you that you haven't done in Zelda games before. Um, And that was before any combat started. And then they start introducing new enemies and then you find one of these big towers that reveals all the points of interest. And uh, they just managed it for half an hour. They just kept managing to surprise me with new things the whole time. Well, the difference for me and why I have faith in the open world Nintendo potential is what you said about the magnetic mini dungeon, right? Mm. So they have like an Assassin's Creed game or Far Cry can densely or appropriately space hotspots on a map to keep you engaged and you're kind of following a trail of breadcrumbs to the next thing, blah, blah, blah. But over after a while, those things get repetitive and the tasks are very similar. Where I expect Nintendo to excel is within... Like each little dungeon, it's a totally different puzzle or experience or mechanic. Nintendo doesn't reuse stuff. Like they won't exhaust anything. In a Mario yeah. game, they'll introduce, you know, the the cherries in 3D World or the cat. Yeah. And you never do it over and over and over again. It's always... It never feels repetitive. Yeah, it's yeah. always like, oh, sweet, I get to do this again. I haven't done this for a while. They space things so well. So that's why I think they could. On the other hand, my any hesitance I have is the reason why I love Zelda games is because 
there's such condensed experiences where they've picked all the greatest stuff you could do in this game and kind of shorten the gaps between those and okay now go to this dungeon and there's a bit of traversal but you know you're always like this is why this game is so much fun we've taken all the best things we could come up with and here it is as close as it can be enjoy but i i I do i love the art style i i doesn't look technically astounding but i don't care there's something about nintendo their art style and now that it's hd it just it it looks amazing so i'm I'm actually really looking forward to seeing it on nx i think it's going to be something really special did you actually see it playing on a system or it was yeah it was definitely on a wii u and yeah? uh, you could see that it was pushing the limits of the wii u there was like some popping happening okay. some slowdowns in some parts but uh, it wasn't anything too bad not too distracting but, cool yeah hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, for me, it's for the first time I'm really excited about this game. Last few Zelda games didn't really do it for me. Um, and I am worried about the open world thing. But I, like you were saying, I think Nintendo will have the, the balance just right. You know, they will not get into grinding stuff. And they will not, you know, there might be stuff that you can do if you want. I feel like they will have it so that there's an optimum path through the world, kind of like what you're saying. Things are laid out in a way that you're just going to naturally stumble across all these different experiences. And I think I I trust them, and especially with how important this game is going to be for them at this point. There's no way it's, like, there's no way it's not going to be amazing, right? Like, how can they afford to not have an amazing game? (laughs) Like, it's crazy. So, um... I uh, Something... Like, I always assume the best for Nintendo, and they only disappoint me. <laughs> so in my head, I'm thinking, you know what? Nintendo's just sitting on it. They got this thing that's going to drop with NX, and they're going to show new Metroid, probably Metroid Prime. They've got a Mario game, and they're just going to say, you know what? Boom. It's all coming out. We're going to win all our fans back, and they're just wait. They can't wait. It's going to be amazing. And then it, they, they're going to announce it. I mean, are you kidding? Like, I know I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> But I still give them the benefit of the doubt for everything. And the biggest problem is my my insistence on giving them the benefit of the doubt is like is waning with each announcement. I'm like the tide's turning where I'm switching from benefit of the doubt to like no <laughs> chance. They're dead in the water. So Yeah. Um They needed to announce it a few more uh Emojis or whatever you call them. Amiibos? Amiibos. That would have <laughs> well, had you back. They're actually, they're, they've dwindled too, so I, I'm kind of starving for some new Amiibos. I, I don't know. The game looks amazing. The worst part is it's still like nine months away. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's really unfortunate. Yeah. Well, plus there's the whole, like, are we going to see the NX by that time? Is it going to launch early on the wii u and if it does do you then wait like i, I don't know it's no no of, they'll be they're gonna come out the same day what happened what happened with twilight princess was that out? same day yeah it was if anything i think the wii version might have come out a week or two weeks later or sorry gamecube version came out a week or oh no maybe it was more but one sorry one thing i don't know if it's better for nintendo to if they could drop the wii u version earlier to get people to buy it, because I would, I would buy both. I, I can tell you right now, you would, but I think I would hurt them big time because 
this is going to be a system seller for the NX. Like that's but the intention. But if they're dropping it day and date with the Wii U, how is it a well? That's just why for I people don't know. who don't that's have. That's why Wii. I don't. I don't know if they will. I feel like they might drop the NX version first. Oh, I would love it. But the weird thing is, if this has a release date and the NX doesn't, I don't see how that's possible. You don't even have no. I think they've said both the are March, March twenty seventeen. Yeah. The NX is yeah yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Or they have a release window, right, of March 2017 mm. to... Hmm. Speaking of that, what a weird time to release a new console. Seems mind-boggling to me. They did release the 3DS somewhere around Which there. Which version? I guess that's a little... The first, the, very the first one? one, I remember it being, I think it was spring at least, but... I think we've just seen, even with Uncharted 4 and other games, big things release, you know... They don't fight over holiday retail space because people want it and they'll also want it in December anyway if it's good. Like middle of the road or like maybe projected reviews of 7s to 8.5s, they will fight over uh, retail holiday space and sequels and stuff like that. Right. I, I, I find anyway. Like all the great Sony games that have come out have been between February and May. And that's what Nintendo's release schedule was too for Super Mario Galaxy, Galaxy Two, a uh, couple other ones. So, and they on those games the price never goes down, so it doesn't matter. And their yeah. their quality level is so high that people will buy them at that price for years. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter when they release. I guess the good thing about releasing so early is you get all the people that have just recovered from holiday shopping. They want something new now. They get it, and then all the people that don't have the money. They'll get them again the next holiday season, anyways. I guess that's it's one really of the other. Doesn't matter to me. Them. That's why I'm assuming they know the NX is amazing, <laughs> or else they wouldn't release it in March. Yeah, it's just weird that it's coming out in March and they haven't officially. Yeah, when are they going to announce it? Like, like where are they going to do that? No like idea. Gamescom or is, something. Is there anything else coming out? Gamescom like, a, when's Tokyo August? Game Show? I don't know. Uh, I thought that was like. January or something. I feel like it's early in the year, but I could be wrong. I don't know. Weird. Um, okay, so we should pro- probably get to wrapping this up. Uh, we didn't really go into depth in depth on Ubisoft or EA. Um, they were both okay. No big surprises. I guess South Park game. You guys That's, are probably excited yes, about that. Of course, mm-hmm. fractured butthole. <laughs> now, is this like it's a direct best. sequel or is it? Yes, it looks is. like it yeah. takes place the next day. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> In the starry line of South Park, Tokyo Game Show September. So well, it's coming could be. up. Could be. Yeah. could be, could be, could be. Uh, they did for honor uh, Trials Blood Dragon, which I think you or not Trials Trials of, of the, the Blood Blood, Dra- Blood Dragon. Yeah, which, Watch Dogs uh, Two, which I guess we should give a shout out to. Oh yeah, you saw Toronto's doing some on that. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I'm interested. And what's going to happen with that? Because I feel like this could be an Assassin's Creed situation where the first game came out, people were kind of like, eh, it had issues, it was okay. But then the second one will just like refine all that and people will love could it. Could be. And right. they, they're dedicated to next gen where I think the other one had to work both. So Right. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I'm I interested. I'm not like super excited about it, but I think it, there's definitely potential there. There was the Ghost Recon demo right. as well. I, my favorite thing with that is like how they were hitting buzzwords. Like the, the the dialogue in the game is, 
I got eyes on the Sicario over there. Go get the Narcos. And like just all, all these popular movies and words. Well, that was like the Division uh, the division gameplay trailer when it first came out, too. Yeah. Same thing. So, like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but actually, I think my favorite thing that Ubisoft announced, they had a few original things in there, but the one thing I was kind of excited about is that Steep game. SSX, I knew it. Well, yeah, I liked SSX. But I like the idea of this, I don't know, collection of, like, extreme snow sports in Oh, they, in, they had announced that last year, right? Did they? Like, it's a multi, like, yeah. different varieties of travel, extreme sports. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, I hadn't heard it before, and Sorry I liked the, the trailer. So, not sure if it's coming out this year. Probably not, I'm guessing. But uh, I am kind of excited for that. Now, I didn't see all of the Ubi press conference. Did they have any new Ubi art games? Because that's what I'm missing. No, I don't think so. I love Ubi art games, and I want more. They're all on iOS right now. That's all they're doing. Seems really? Like. Well, the last few Rayman games were. Like Valiant Hearts, uh, Child of Light, mm-hmm. both Raymans. I, it sucks that they, I'm guessing they don't sell that well, but they are the best. I love that engine. Yeah, I agree. There's some good stuff there. Um, anything else? EA, I mean, Mass Effect. Didn't even Didn't show do anything. anything. Yeah. Except to say it's on Frostbite was... Engine, which everything is. It's too be bad all... there wasn't more for Including that. Including FIFA. Yeah, what's with FIFA? Didn't they just change engines last year? I, I don't know, but... I, I thought they went to like the Ignite Engine just like last year, and now they're going to Frostbite. Like, What a pain in the ass that must be. And they have a story mode as their big thing. Right. Story mode in sports games are the worst things ever. <laughs> and NBA 2K series, their story mode is the worst thing I've ever played. And when we talk about what we played, I will have some choice words. Is that the Spike that Lee game. one? Yeah. The Spike Lee joint. I played through that. Nice. I would love to have played it. It crashed every time I played it. The <laughs> second I'm starting my career. Wow. It is the worst. That's the last two... two um, I'll get it out now. The last two NBA 2K games, the one crashed trying to do anything online. Nothing worked at all. This one went to fire it up during the free weekend, downloaded it for fucking 50 gigs of my bandwidth, <sighs> only to be able to do nothing in the game. Their face recognition thing where you like you scan your face in, horrendous. Looked absolutely nothing like me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how the, how they've cornered the market on NBA is beyond me. It, they are borderline unplayable. And the the dialogue and the story mode itself, the cutscenes, are horrible. Absolutely horrible. Compl- completely meaningless cosmetic choices that just get in the way of me playing the game. Get it out of here. I don't know, Frank. I don't know if I can agree with that. There's this thing called season mode or be a GM. I know, but I, I, I maybe I just I want to get the achievements. <laughs> you understand? I have to play that mode to get I those need achievements. Be a thousand. <laughs> um, okay. The only other thing EA announced was the EA Originals program. They kind of touched. Yeah, on. That, that's yeah, a good that's point. Right. Yeah. yeah, and uh, F-E? F-E? Yeah, F-E and Zwick. Is it F or F-E? F-E. F-E. Really? F-E. Either but, way, it looked like Unravel, like, yeah, I'm, next I'm, step kind de- of thing. I'm definitely interested in that. I don't know how they're... They didn't get into the financials yeah. of how the money... I'm interested in what the actual partnership is. Yeah. 
but they didn't talk about no it. No details. Do you have any insight on this, Graham? Uh, not much, but we did talk to those guys. Oh, yeah? At, at E3, yeah. The Fae guys or the Foe guys? No, the EA, EA Origins guys, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's just like a, they're just doing like small budget indie funding stuff. I had a feeling yeah. it's similar to maybe government funding where or like pub they rec- or... once they recoup the investment, like some portion goes to recoup the investment. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And then once that's done, it's all profit from there. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right, should we do our top fives? Uh, the only thing... A couple things from the Bethesda one. They announced new Prey game. Oh, that's which right. Yeah, kind of looked like to me. It looked like the darkness meets like Dead Space. Yeah, I'm kind of interested in that. And what else? I guess they had dis- a lot of Dishonored two. Dishonored yeah. two is a big deal for them. Yeah, I never played the first. That conference one, but... was lame too. Dishonored two or Dishonored one. I didn't think I'd like, but really enjoyed it. Yeah, and I have absolutely no hype for Dishonored two, but I think I'll play it and probably really enjoy it. As well. Uh, oh, they also announced Skyrim Remastered. Yes, they did. We're we're near the point where every game that was half decent has a re-release. I think yep. everyone re-release. owns Skyrim already, don't they? And it almost feels like every developer was almost in a holding pattern waiting for the 4.5 versions or just getting stuff, old games running in this, on these cons. It's so weird. There's so few new games. It is weird yeah. how many HD re-releases there are. Yep. Okay. It's weird. Best of E3. Let's go. What do you got, Frank? Uh, number five, Battlefield 1. Uh, number four, Horizon Zero Dawn. Is that right? Yep. That's correct. Okay. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, <laughs> number three, Crash Bandicoot HD remake nice. announcements. Number two, Legend of Zelda. And number one, God of War. Uh. For me, number five, going off the board, a 3DS game called Ever Oasis that was not even in any of the press conferences, but got announced at E3, and it's an action RPG made by the creator behind the Mana series and the first three Final Fantasy games. I was wondering, is it it a spiritual successor or follow-up to Beyond Oasis or Legend of no, Oasis? No, no, no. It doesn't look like that, unfortunately. Like the Sega games? Yeah, no. Oh, that man. game's amazing. You almost... Uh, number four, also <laughs> Horizon. Number three, Detroit. Number two, John Carmack. <laughs> and number one, The Fractured Butthole. <laughs> South nice. Park. All right, I'll go uh, number five, Steep. Number four, Spider-Man. Number three, We Happy Few. Number two, Legend of Zelda. And number one, God of War. Whoa. You're never playing that game. God of War yeah. or Zelda? No, both. Well, both but <laughs> I've, more God of War. I've beat a God of War game. Yeah, I know. A. <laughs> I could say that. You're done. You're done now. <laughs> Graham? All right. Mine is number five, God of War. Number four, Spider-Man. Uh, number three, Horizon. Number two, The Last Guardian. And number one, Legend of Zelda. Last Guardian. The only one with the Last Guardian on the list. Yeah, I've been waiting for that game for a long time. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm definitely excited. It's probably on my list last year, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, it happens. Um, okay, so we're gonna get into Uncharted Four. Was, did you play Last Guardian at all? Was there any demos? No, there? no, but there was this giant screen that was like just the monster, like looking into the crowd. And oh, just okay. Doing, yeah. yeah, that's all they had. Yeah, 
I did. I did hear that there was some behind closed doors press demo, and I heard. Yeah, that I think. Was, that, yeah, that's the article I read. Or yeah, something. yeah, and it was a bit buggy, and they said they were not. It wasn't doing what he wanted to do, and stuff like that. I'm like, whoa, okay, now I'm a little bit nervous about this game. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although all those games have kind of like floaty controls. Where yeah, Ico does too. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So maybe that's just what they're going for, and it feels wrong like in all those other games it feels wrong they're they're going for charming retro floaty controls (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and ps3 graphics (laughs) (laughs) all right so uncharted 4 a thief's end it's a game been waiting a long time for this one um i guess we'll do some spoiler stuff uh we'll either warn you before we get to that or put it at the end of the show I, i don't know do you guys have a lot of spoiler stuff, or is it fairly? I don't. I don't have anything specific. I've got spoiler. a few spoiler things. A, yeah. a lot of the stuff I didn't like about the game is pretty spoiler. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Okay. I don't know if I have that much stuff, but. All right, so um, let's let's kick things off. Graham, why don't you? Uh, you're a big fan of the Uncharted series, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. And did it live up to your expectations? Uh, yeah, it was. It, I I do think it's the best one of the franchise, but. Uh, I guess like one problem I had. Well, yeah, the, the story wise, story wise, I thought they did an amazing job across the board. Um, uh, I I really liked how um, you're always with someone else, and there's always like a banter happening. Like uh, it just kept things interesting in between, like the different challenges and stuff. I really liked the uh, I really liked the the diving stuff. Like surprisingly, uh, I, some people were complaining about the initial diving mission where you're just kind you're of like, swing oh, underwater. Yeah. The, the initial yeah. one's pretty pretty bad, I think. But I, I liked it. Like as soon as I'm like, I could play a whole game like this, and then later on <laughs> when you're doing it like in the open uh, with a boat, it's like, yeah, this is incredible. Like you're just finding shipwrecks and stuff. And well, like, and the reveal of the first one too, right? Yeah, where you, like yeah. you come up and you're in a oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> a Pits- like a Pittsburgh River or something. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. yeah um. So like the way that they, it felt to me like it was a little bit slow get, getting going with uh, teaching, reteaching how to do like the combat and the climbing, um, some of the tutorialization. But I do like how they inter- they waved it well with the story. Like uh, at the very beginning of the game, you're like you're playing young Drake back in school, and your brother and you are trying to sneak out of the that that stuff was really cool. But um, the actual mechanics of playing was all just kind of like. I've done this before. Uh, I've, I, I, there's, there's nothing. I didn't feel like they got to like new and interesting mechanics on the the combat and the grappling until pretty late in the game. So it took a while to get there, but they managed to keep me interested along the way with the story stuff that they were doing. Uh, right. Um, yeah, I, I really liked the the sneaking mechanics in in this version. I feel like I I don't quite recall how how the previous game was doing it, but I felt a lot more inclined to be stealthy in this game um and and if you do get spotted you can you can run back and you know reset the stealthiness again like uh you can get uh so you can take multiple attempts at it but um uh just the way that you're able to take guys down from behind cover and stuff like that felt really well designed um and and when you didn't get into the gunfights it also felt super polished uh um, and I guess the, the the mantling and climbing stuff they added some new stuff in there that kept it interesting uh, closer to the end of the game. Um, but yeah, overall I thought the, the the game did a really good job and uh, definitely lived up to the Uncharted franchise. Yeah. Okay. Who's up? Alex <laughs> City. Well, I also really enjoyed it, and it is a top notch Uncharted game. However, I don't think it's 
my favorite. I think, if anything, it might be my least favorite Uncharted game. I'd have to replay Uncharted 3 to see which one takes the last spot. But um, We are so close here, Hug City. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for oh, once. Yeah. Uh, the main reason for me is that I felt this Uncharted was more storytell than action game. And there is a lot of a lot more climbing, a lot less puzzles, and a lot more time in between everything. More filler, less killer. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and I think that just the story, like you're saying, with the like interactions and the banter, that's all amazing. The world's so dense; it's like one of the most gorgeous games ever. I think I use the PS4 share button more than anything for this game. And uh, yeah, just like. You're saying the swimming and the mechanics of everything. The rope swinging mechanic that they added is really good. Um, and the Naughty Dog is just a master of making you think the world is endless and guiding you through this like narrow corridor that you don't even know is a corridor. It's just like you feel like you're in this huge expanse. And really, if you take the time to just explore around, there's really nowhere to go. But it feels so huge. Uh, I'm thinking there's a few levels with, like, towns where it seems like the town is enormous. But really, it's guiding you so perfectly because they're so good at layering, you know, little drop downs that are too high to get back. And all this stuff where there's points of no return all along so they can bring in all the levels. But overall, I say definitely down there in the Uncharted ranking, but still a phenomenal game in general. Uh, I'm a little... Well, I think it's my second favorite Uncharted game. Uncharted 2 still tops for me. I think, you know, what they did with story stuff is among the best stuff I've seen in a, in a blockbuster video game, I will say that. I think the uh, the writing, the facial performance, like there's stuff in, uh, you know, in cinematics and in the game itself where things are conve- conveyed through facial expressions without dialogue and there's not very many games that can do that kind of stuff yet and you know that's something that they need that's a place games need to get to that you know when you compare games to movies why are games always so ham-fisted and cheesy and it's like well everything has to be told through dialogue you know and there's no subtlety and they're starting to get there a little bit and uh i like all the characters like graham said you're, you're always with somebody there's always just a little commentary on everything you're doing that's fun and uh, funny. And um, I do think there's a little too much story at the beginning. Like, there's just a lot of watching. And I felt like it was like, okay, let's go. Let's go. Like, And and then... Let's do these dishes. Let's get <laughs> yeah. Some of that stuff. Like, I like this, the, the scene with uh, Elena... And where he has that moment of like rezones out and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I really like that. But yeah, there's a little too much kind of just walking and doing nothing. And then towards the end, there's a little too much just climbing and mm-hmm. and padding out that stuff. And I agree, I would like a few more puzzles as well. I know some people hate puzzles, but I feel like they make sense for this game, and there's not very many of them. Um. Oh, the other mechanic we didn't even mention yet is the vehicles. Vehicles. And the rope. And the winch. And the, for well, the... I said the, the swinging mechanic. Oh, sorry. Okay. 
anyways, but continue. but the the winch on the jeep is in, is a new mechanic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the the thing with the climbing. Yeah. What's it called? The, Which the is spike. Yeah. Like Tomb Raider Pretty ripped close. off Uncharted, but Tomb Raider's like that from Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider's the ice pick pick mechanic is way more fun than Uncharted's. Yeah. yeah. Way more fun. Um, I think in Tomb Raider you can actually climb up oh, yeah. with it, and in Uncharted you have to like dig you it can in. Only then do jump. one at a time. Yeah. Dig it in, then jump. It's kind of annoying. I mean, it's fine. It's their own version of it. I don't hate it by any means, but I think Tomb Raider's more fun. Yeah, uh, I haven't played much of the Tomb Raider games yet, so I can't totally compare them. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think what else. I mean, it feels like an Uncharted game. I, I, I think one of the reasons why it doesn't match up to Uncharted Two, I just that was they were still breaking new ground and now it's kind of like well they've established what it is add a few new mechanics the storytelling to me is really where they're taking it to a new level and i guess the environments but um yeah i liked the the, the brother storyline i liked the flashbacks wish there was a few more of those actually I, like i think that was actually a really cool way to have some of the tutorial stuff in there um I do think that what to pick up on what you were saying, Huck City, with the um, sort of like guiding you through a corridor, like a very linear experience, but sort of hiding that from you. I think they are very good at that. Although sometimes I'm aware of for somebody who's, you know, uh, struggles with difficulty in games sometimes, sometimes I do feel like the Uncharted games are a little too handholdy and too easy in some of that stuff where it's like you feel like you could make a lot of mistakes and they're still going to push you through just to maintain the momentum of the game. I don't know if that's bad per se, but I just, I feel like I am aware of it sometimes and maybe wish I wasn't, but uh, yeah, I still really like the game and you know, there aren't a lot of games that once they start playing and I get distracted and I'm away for a few days that I feel that pull that I'm like, I really got to get back to that. But this series still has it and uh, it's definitely there for Uncharted 4. Okay, well, it's going to sound like I hate this game compared <laughs> to you guys. But let me preface it by saying the game's about a 9.5 for me if okay. I was to rate it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I don't think it is as much of an Uncharted game as the previous three in that it is more story based and stretched out. I think for to a detriment, it's stretched out, whether it's a value thing or I felt the same way about the last of us that the Pittsburgh section in the last of us was extremely long. And maybe for someone like me who does explore and try to find secrets, those sections can be really long. And the last third of the game is a bit repetitive. Now, like where it is the same as the old uncharted games to me is visual pacing no games have better visual pacing in the world like i'm going to like completely different color palettes that all look amazing just look at scotland when you go to scotland the color of the grass like brown grasses and purple grasses like those kind of decisions like just make the game easy to play and makes it seem way less repetitive and it's gorgeous on top of all that so i mean that's amazing you you never get sick of looking at this game and if anything, it's just it just gets better and better, and I can't believe it. When you get to the reds of the the mud and clay in Africa and that scenery, it's 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 amazing. It's honestly amazing. And 
that's it's the best looking game I've ever seen, yeah. hands down. I think I don't think I've stopped and just looked at the screen. Yeah, more like in, in any other game I've played more than in Uncharted yeah. Four. Yeah. So for that, for me, it's the same. I still think like polish wise, mechanics, feel, still amazing. Love it all, and that's why the game is still amazing and presentation second to none. Like opening up the book, uh, oh yeah, how how you look for things. They started that and they still execute on it. It's perfect. If it, it feels like a real story. Now, as for new things, for me, number one, the character of Sam Drake could have been a disaster, and it is an absolute success for me. Like, I like him more than Nathan Drake. I want the next <laughs> Uncharted game to be him and Sully, right? Like, I, I, I'm done with Nathan Drake, and, like, I think this character is better, more interesting, and, like, less... If it wasn't for the neck tattoos, he'd be perfect. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I like the actor, the performance, the look of that character. Amazing. Now, I agree. The story is great. And technically, how the story is told is amazing. But when you start to raise the bar for storytelling, you're going to come under a lot more criticism for story choices, character choices, character behavior. And I think the game suffers from that. And I think this might be what Graham's alluding to in the second half of the game. There are flaws with the story for me. And in most games, the stories are so shit, I don't care about it anyway. But when I'm already that invested in the story because it's so well done at the beginning, when it starts to fall apart later, it becomes a bigger problem. Mm -hmm. It almost It's under a microscope at that point. And the biggest failures for that for me are some of the twists are cliched and lame. And the, the character of Elena is like a complete injustice like how they treated her in this game to me is a is a disaster see you said that originally and i was still pretty early in the game i i feel like i don't know i mean we'll talk about it more in spoilers i don't feel that way i feel like she at least she's a presence she i think she gets her due there's very little consequence to choices there's a few uh you know stern moments but just it's it's kind of weak for me and i I would rather she was either just at the beginning uh, or included in a different way. I just, I love that character and I thought the game did her a disservice. I might be in the minority though. Uh, well, I mean, Sully is definitely not in it as much as I would have hoped. Um, but I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really going to complain about that either because it is a story about these two brothers. So yeah, I agree. I personally love the shooting mechanic in all the games. I love the one-to-one aiming that Naughty Dog employs. So having less of that maybe hurt my enjoyment a bit. I actually enjoy that part. I know it's most people say, okay, waves of enemies. I'm sick of that, but I thought they did that really well. And in Uncharted 3, there was so much variety to it, taking the same controls and mapping it to a water environment, walking up a wall environment. Like to me, that is more interesting than uh, a bunch of stealth scenarios. I appreciate that the game gives you lots of different ways to approach those scenarios. I can do it uh, with brute force or with stealth. That's fine. But I, I do kind of miss the shooting a bit, but that wouldn't be a major criticism uh, of the game for me at all. And I feel like there's, Oh, the driving mechanics. I actually really liked them. And I was most impressed by the four by four. It's almost a casual exploratory trials game. Yeah. Like the way they totally. did the physics with uh the four by four and finding the right path. I thought that was huge success. Although in those open environments for naughty dog, like 
a lack of wildlife was disturbing. Or <laughs> like, the Jurassic. Africa. I know, I know, I know, I know. You've got the models there. Just pull them out. Put them in a background somewhere. They're sitting there. Like, make one elephant. You're done. It just felt- there, they did have that market scene for you, though. No, you got that beautiful ring-tailed lemur that you got. Exactly. <laughs> now that's, that's, that's what for I'm, you. So it's a stark contrast when, in a scene like that, you do have that and other touches of wildlife in other places, and then. This area has none of that. It just feels almost dead to me. Uh, my again, minor minor nitpicks. Like this game is amazing, but these are the things that stood out to me. Like that separates it from being the best game ever made. And the last thing is, I do not think it's as well paced as the other Uncharted games. It there are big lulls, repetitive climbing sections repetitive even within the context of this game not having played three uncharted's before and i just i i think you could take five hours out of this game and it's even better i i think they were worried about value or length to a to a detriment yeah and uh that that is the worst to me like that companies have to do that like oh if this game's not 20 hours long or 15 hours long people are going to complain so yeah that kind of sucked uh but again, love the game. Sam Drake, amazing. I feel like there was one other amazing aspect that I'm forgetting. I, I know we talked about this with Tomb Raider, but this is the first Uncharted with open areas, and I I like them. I I I don't know if I love them, like compared to the streamlined experience with the vehicle. I, with the vehicle, I like them on foot. Not as crazy about them. I will definitely say. Could could be that I suck at games, as often is the case. <laughs> I was there was definitely moments where I was stuck in this game, and I just felt like, okay, where where am I supposed to go? Like you know, because there's there's times when like a character is waiting for you to get to a certain mark, and then they'll be like, oh, come over here, and then it activates, right? So sometimes you just they don't have map markers or anything, right? So it's kind of like if you're not if you miss that one little visual cue then you're kind of just wandering around for like 10 minutes until you hit that mark and then you're like oh okay that's what i had to do i can say i had no parts where i was stuck (laughs) 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 now now, one one other thing i would say is like it is weird evaluating this game because obviously the formula works they are so good at what they do that you you are criticizing against perfection. Like their their barrier, their uh, like level of success is determined by perfection for me. So it's almost not fair the way I'm judging the game, but it's just it's just the way it is. And it would probably it's definitely my favorite game of the of this year so far. It's not even well, yeah. Was there any, that, no? That was last year. Yeah, it, like it's amazing. So it's 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 just uh. I can't help but feel slightly disappointed by it with all the hype that I had. And I, I, I do want to play it again. That's I will say that. It, even though, now I'll say this, Uncharted 2, I played nonstop. I started that game. Any moment I wasn't working, I was playing Uncharted 2. It was perfectly paced. This game, there were times where I was like, I need a break from this game, which... I've never done with an Uncharted game really before. And most Uncharted games, when I'm done it, I start it again right away. Didn't didn't even come close to having that feeling for this game. I almost felt like I was pushing myself through the end. Yeah. It is, uh, 
it loses momentum, I would say, yeah. is the best way to describe it in the third act. And I think that was in the original IGN review that that girl wrote, and she was just getting, you know, massacred in the comments for saying that. But I, I think it's true. Yeah, I, I had the same feeling, too, and I wasn't sure how much of it was this game alone or, like, having played three full Uncharted games sure, yeah. many, many times uh, and platinum all of them and then playing this game. Like, how much is that fatigue coming across from those games? Because, you know, it is, like you said, it's doing the same formula again. So you're playing it, and for the for, for a long part of it, you're just kind of relearning all the stuff you learned in the previous games, and it's like... Uh, so it, it's harder for it to keep your attention because of that. I, I, and I think that's, for me, like having the same feeling as you... I felt like it was kind of coming from that. Like, yeah, it, it could be. And I mean, I played Uncharted 1 seven times, <laughs> right? I li- I've literally beat that game seven times. So it, it is how much... And probably not your last. Like clearly... Yeah, exactly. Clearly, someone who's never played an Uncharted game before is going to have the best experience of their life playing this game. Mm. Well, something that I think I was a little disappointed with that I don't know if you guys will agree with this, but I feel like... I do judge the Uncharted games based on big set pieces. That's something they do really well. Mm-hmm. They have very unique action sequences where, you know, you're doing something that you will never do for the rest of the game. And, you know, environments are interactive or, you know, usually they aren't. Or, you know, just hard to explain exactly what defines a set piece, I guess. But for me, you know, the the Jeep chase is like the pinnacle of that in exactly. this. And it's amazing. I could play that over and over again and never get bored of it. But I don't know if there's enough of those set pieces in this game. I think that's the only one. Really. Well, well, the boat at the beginning. You start with one. That's true. I mean, like I, I just try to think of like what are the highlights of this game to me. And that comes uh, to mind. I liked the auction thing at the beginning and sort of the heist, but that's I still feel like you're just getting into the story at that point. There's really not much there either. I think yeah. I'm mostly just walking around. I'm not sure someone from Naughty Dog said this, or I've read it somewhere, and I feel the same way about. Even... I, guess, I guess there's is the there's the chase through the town. Yeah. Oh, against the is, APC, or which whatever. is pretty. That's good. cool too. Oh, yeah. yeah, that one's yeah. good. But games are about moments, right? It doesn't always have to be about spectacle. And the things I remember from Last of Us are the giraffes, obviously, and like these <laughs> other things. And, like just small moments that are so memorable, they almost define the experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, almost like, well, spoiler for Last of Us coming up, but just like sitting in that last room, like trying to make the decision oh, is like one of the things right i don't even remember that. Oh. <laughs> but no but that that is for sure like yeah. that's that's a moment like the, it's similar like metal gear has similar moments to that too that you remember and i, I just don't know if i have the chase is one of those for me uh to some degree the four by four stuff but other than that i don't know if i have those big moments i would say one of the final locations of the game in particular uh a dinner scene a dinner table that was a highlight for me. Like yeah. I'll, I'll remember that. I thought the look of that scene and how it integrated with the story was fantastic. Uh, did you see my tweet about that scene? I think I did. Yeah, yeah. One Eye Willie. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that, and that's it. Makes sense to me. Like that's a moment in that game. I would be inclined to share that moment too. Uh, yeah. It just. Oh, and the, the other sequence, which I know Jay loves as well, is the heist one at the auction. Like that's pretty unique yeah. too. I, I I mentioned that, but again, like as Huck City said, it's not really action, but I do really like. Yeah, it's that so whole weird. Scenario. Like I love this game, but it, I, like I love it. I think you said it perfectly, though. You're like you're. 
they're chasing perfection. Yeah. So any not like I have a note in here like I saw some choppy shadows. <laughs> <laughs> like really should i be knocking them for that like i know it's it's it, weird. I, it's just like so unexpected like why is that shadow flickering like it's static it shouldn't be moving what's going on i can't believe naughty dog let this get through like <laughs> this is some fucking box in the corner of no man's land that i'm nitpicking why am i even looking at that thing but you're just so in, engrossed in this world because it's so dense just like the witcher is so dense with stuff that you're just you're just loving everything, and any little imperfection just stands out. Yeah, but it pulls so much. Well, I mean, I'm always amazed, and I, you can probably say this about a lot of games, but like, there's so much detail into environment stuff that you will see for less than a second. You know, like I remember yeah. doing the oh the prison break. That's that's a pretty memorable sequence, and I remember doing that. And you just you have to just keep running and running and running. And I remember seeing like you know, details being like, oh, that's cool. Oh, I got to keep going. You know, it's like yeah, yeah. somebody spent like a lot of time on that, yeah. but it's just there and it's gone. I do like a lot of the characters too. Rafe as a villain, I thought was an interesting, yeah, he's good. like atypical villain, mm-hmm. I would say. Uh, I'm not sure the final boss fight I, I, I liked. I don't know if I, I loved it, but Uncharted Strength has never really been their last boss fights, I'd say. I must say it was... Not really a spoiler, but it was exactly what I expected it to be. Yeah. And but the mechanic for it, they introduce a new mechanic. It's a little strange. Which, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of a bold decision, in my opinion. Yeah, it was a little odd. I had to I had to play through a few times, though I was playing on master or whatever. Of course. Oh, I was normal. Of I course. was just cruising. Oh, you didn't start at the top. <laughs> I thought you didn't want to unlock crushing right away. Well, I hadn't read ahead enough to know that even though it's grayed out, you can select it. Crushing, you can select right away? Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Damn. Just read that in the trophy guide a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, <fine> joke. <laughs> That's pretty clever, actually. I found... Uh, I played it on moderate for, for, the, uh, for the record. <laughs> Not on easy. Oh, boy. There was one other moment I just thought of. Um, the scene with the searchlights on top of the... Yeah, the roofs. The roofs. Yeah, was really good. good. It's more stealthy, and uh, and that was one of the levels where I felt like it was wide open, but I could also tell they were guiding me in just the right way around everything. But it felt like I could literally jump like to whatever roof I wanted and go wherever I wanted, but obviously that's not how they would structure that level. One of the flashbacks in a house felt oh, yeah. really, really yeah. long. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Unnecessarily long. Search and there was a lot of room. white books in that house for some yeah. reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. When you're trying to find the notebooks. One, like... one other mechanic I didn't understand is the, like, investigate the, or, you know, the Order of 1886 yeah. mechanic. They <laughs> added it in. And there was so much stuff you'd pick up and it'd be nothing. Yeah. Like, I think, didn't they have like, that in what? part three? I don't know. I feel like they, they definitely did. had it in Last the, of Us. They definitely had it in the yeah. Order. Oh, it wasn't Last of Us. I think so. Like that's all I all I see on this game is the influence of The Last of Us. That like, it's like the, this. The, the, all of the all of the interface like in game, uh, HUD stuff of like picking things up, all the same as The Last of Us. I'm glad they in- didn't introduce a crafting system or anything like that. That would have been yeah, that would have been too insane. much. But just the pacing and the, I think the environment design. Like, there's a lot of sort of like half dilapidated kind of. It feels like they're you know, the same artists are doing kind of like Maybe. vaguely post-apocalyptic kind of stuff. But this. there is a 
an overgrown environment in the end, which is probably my one of my favorites in the game. Like I, it's every it's a it's incredible. a huge success. One of my favorite environments was, um, well, more like the storytelling through the environment. It was the island. It's probably about halfway through the game, yeah. um, and just the amount of foreshadowing they do because you come out and it's all nice and sunny. You or sorry, you get there and it's all nice and sunny. You know, birds are chirping. Yeah, you go through cool. this big maze you go through the cavern you come back out seas are rough yeah like, the storms come in yeah, that's like call. you yeah. know like shit's about to get real out here and just like it was so i don't know if it was subtle because it was a pretty drastic change but just the fact that they took the time to work that in yeah to well, really build up build up to you know foreshadow the big battle coming well and it's clearly you get you know it's building up to the first chapter of the game mm-hmm. Actually, right. I didn't, but it made oh, sense yeah. as it was coming. Um, but yeah, just that moment, I was so taken ba- like aback. Like, oh, this just the, the fact they took the time to put this in is so amazing. Because none of the stuff they're doing here is just like, you know, one day's worth of work to get this in. So much stuff is just so dense again. Yeah, and I, again, I, I guess my biggest criticism is the game is super dependent on story, and I think it's a good story. I don't think it's an amazing story. I think it's a little like somewhat cliched, which I guess with uh, its source material of Indiana Jones and I guess pulp stuff, maybe it's intentionally cliched, uh, but not what I, after hearing this, this is the best story in a game ever. And I, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. That's one of the, one of the things I think that the last of us beats this game in is that last of us took more risks with the story. Yeah, for they sure. weren't afraid to like, you know, take risks with characters and, do unexpected things and yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. The story for last of us is better. I would say. Guess it make me want to play through the last of us. Again. I've been, I've been, di- I've been dying <laughs> to get really. the PS4 version. Yeah, actually, I did. Or I yeah. should. I mean, if only I could pick up my halfway through the game, save game of, <laughs> uh, on the PS3 and play it on the PS4. I would definitely do that. Are you sure you can't? Pretty sure. Unless they've added it since, but, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I do, my other criticisms are all spoiler, and maybe some of the stuff I liked is spoiler too that I can't say. I have a couple more things non-spoiler. Um, the animations of this game is just amazing. I mean, there's so much little detail, and you can tell they spend so much time on their climbing transitions to wherever you want. I think now you can actually kind of control his hand reaching much better. I yeah. think before it did. Yeah, I think there's a right stick version of climbing, which I didn't use that much, but. Mm. Well, yeah, it just seemed, sure. it seemed so smooth and just everything else. There's so many little, you know, touching this wall, leaning up against this thing, uh, touching, touch, touch. <laughs> well, I was, well, I was going to say. <laughs> they toned it back. <laughs> they did in a good way, right? Yeah. Like in Uncharted 3, it was too much. You'd be walking <laughs> through something. <laughs> like it's, it's insane. Like I don't touch everything when I walk. <laughs> this, I did not notice that at all. It was all like just heightening, not obtrusive. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, um, I really found that their checkpoint system was really well, especially in uh, yeah. the Africa level, where I found some of the encounters around some of the more kind of like base levels were really challenging. Uh, and just when I was getting kind of too frustrating, too frustrated, I'd get a little further and I'd die again. I'd be like, "Fuck!" Now I got to do that all again, and I'd hit a checkpoint. Yeah, like right at that point. So I was like. Really well, well done. We're just to the point where I was about to lose it. 
I'd be able to push through just that extra barrier and get a little further and not have to fight as much with the game. They did that really well. Also, just how the level designs in those sort of areas is built uh, is really neat. Like the area, there's an area where you have to release the bridge to come down and you kind of swing back and forth between the two sides of the bridge with your rope swing and just all that design's really neat. I think you just need to get the bridge down to bring the car over. Yeah, or something there's like a lot that. of good stuff. <laughs> yeah, just like really incredible. I forgot about that. I think I had one more thing. Oh, uh, one gripe. I found that um, when you get into the like the melee attacks, grapple things, I found that Drake becomes like unresponsive in this sort of like, oh, I've just been let go of my grapple thing, and I always got shot a thousand times in this like kind yeah of... that you were playing on harder so yeah, it probably it happens more but i now that you mention it, it seemed longer the, than before they tweaked the melee fighting a bit in this and I, I almost think it was not as good as previous versions yeah i had trouble like i kept the whole hold stuck. mechanic or something yeah. and push it wasn't bad but i think i liked the simple previous version more. yeah i just felt because i was playing on harder i just was dying a lot in those sort of situations so i avoided if i couldn't sneak up on them or if i got grabbed from behind i almost knew i was dead if i was in a group of people Mm -hmm. just because there was no way out of it after well i i know there's trophies for like rope swinging and shooting at the same time but i i didn't find that many opportunities to do it in the game like or where you were forced to use it i thought that was cool but i it was always a disadvantage for me to do that Mm -hmm. and never like either designed controlled version to do that which i think they should have had more of or like it's an advantage to do it if i did it i would just miss and i wanted to do it i just couldn't find the right times to do it yeah i agree especially when you can jump down on guys yeah i can just way more effective yeah i think there was one scene where you're climbing down a rope and you can shoot guys up that I was trying to die at a bunch of times to try yeah, to just get it. <laughs> so did I. So but did I. I didn't unlock it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn trophy hunting. Uh, I think that's it for mine. Yeah, all the rest of mine are spoilers. All right, well, why don't we give, like, a star rating, and then we'll do some spoiler discussion. Might as well just keep it in the middle of the show. You can skip ahead, and we'll have show notes if you don't want to hear spoiler stuff. For Uncharted 4. So, uh, what's it going to be, Frank, out of five stars? I, I will go light five. Yeah? Yeah. Well, mm. well now I'm, now I'm, I have a problem because I was going to go four and a half, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I got to go five. Yeah, I was either going to do heavy four and a half or five. It's but the I, weir- think, I know I it's, it's the weirdest light. thing to complain. Like, it's not a fa- heavy five, it's not a six out of five. Uncharted <laughs> 2 would be a six out of five. I mean, for me, the biggest problem is just the pacing. We've already been saying it. It's just a little too long. There's just things that dragged on. and It doesn't I, inherently make the game bad. It just doesn't make it transcendent. And I think yeah. the gameplay mechanics are so good, but because we've had three other games that are so good, we kind of just skip over them. Like, yeah. they're, oh, yeah, just Uncharted, awesomeness, no big deal. So I'll, I'll go with Frank. I'll light five as well. Light fives all around. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) All right, so uh, we're going to get into some spoilers for Uncharted 4 right here. You haven't played the game all the way through. You don't want to know what happens. Just hit 
pause. <laughs> skip ahead. Okay, okay they, the got they got it. They got it. We're about to say right now what happens. Okay, go. Drake doesn't die. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was a fine ending. Uh, I'm fine with him living. I thought they extended extensively had a torch handing off to either Sam or the daughter, the daughter in the yeah. epilogue, both yeah. of which I think will be two compelling characters, which I'm more excited to play a game with them than I am with Nathan Drake, which is an achievement. Like, I, actually, I actually thought the epilogue was one of the strongest chapters, uh, just as far as the pacing went. See, I thought it was, I was searching everything. It, it took me like 20 minutes to well, do the epilogue. I was yeah. too, but I mean, you're like... Are they dead? You're kind of like trying to search the environment to figure out if they're dead, if they're coming back. Like once you figure out they they were alive shortly, a short time ago, then you're like, oh shit, did like someone come and get them now? Like are they actually yeah, going to come back? There was a suspense that I'm finding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's like a little tension there. And then even just like the handing off of the stories at the end was a nice little like wrap up that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. I hope it's Sam Drake. I, <laughs> I know one of my bold E3 predictions was standalone Samuel Drake. Uh, content much like First Light for Infamous, or oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, or the sure. uh, what was the one for Last of Us with the two girls? Mm. I didn't play. I forget it, what it's called. But, all yeah. the all of those games have had something is like it Left that, Behind. So, yeah, I think so. Left yeah, behind? I would love that as a nice little addition that'd to this really game. Cool. Yeah, yeah but I I I agree. I really like the epilogue. Like it was just a nice little way to end off something that I've never really seen done before. Certainly surprised me when, you know, you get to the end of the Crash Bandicoot and the camera turns around. And at first I was like, is this Elena as a kid? Like I was kind of confused. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, then, you know, obviously things reveal themselves. And I like, you know, because this is one of the things with the story. I don't know if you have a problem with this, Frank, but, like, to me it is all about, like, one last adventure. Like, we're getting older. We can't do this forever. But, you know, Let's not forget okay. these good times. But the cliches that, kind of that generate this adventure are the problem. Like him well, lying to Elena about this trip, like, and the way that's resolved is lame. I mean, it's basically, I'd expect it from a horrible comedy movie. I don't think it's a, uh, I, I mean, it's probably been done before. To me, it's not a cliche. Like it, it's, it makes sense. Like why he lies, right? Because he's already kind of promised her that he's done with this life and it's dangerous. Like, why would she want but if she's to... aware of these problems already? I think they've already had honest conversations about the same thing. And uh, it just, it didn't feel right to me. That's all I can say. And the twist, like the brother lying to him about the drug dealer. Yeah. Like so stupid. Don't, yeah. <laughs> don't put shit like that in the game. If it's just about having that breakout sequence at the beginning, do it a different way. Like that's lame. That makes me dislike a character. I already like, and again, it's a cliche. It's 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 storytelling I've seen done many times before. Anyway, that's all. So you guys, your issue with it is just that you don't believe that, or that that you've seen it before and it's just boring. Bo- both. I just thought it was a lame story choice. I, I would rather either there was that consequence for the brother. I don't I don't see what's so bad about it, other than it's slightly unbelievable. But so is everything in this game series, and it just like. It makes me like marginally dislike a character that I already like. And to what end? To create like a fight in the middle of the game that I don't know, I don't know if it needs to be there. I, I, I don't know if it helps the story by having that conflict. Well, and then also Drake's reaction to that truth 
goes pretty unpunished to Sam. Like they're pretty buddy buddy at the end. Yeah, like it, even it, though he completely almost screwed up his life and killed him. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it seems like everyone's lying to everybody else, but no one, everyone just no one forgives each other. Yeah. yeah, it's like not a big deal. I, to me, that like, like I don't know. I, it doesn't seem that crazy to me. I, like that to me sums up their relationship. Like he's always done that to his brother, and his brother's his younger brother looks up to him, and he just always forgives him. And like that to me is a relationship that lots of brothers have. I think. Like, you think your brother li- like lies to you to get you to do stuff? And my brother doesn't. But I'm I sure don't think anyone's brother does that. I don't think I this. Think they do. I, I don't think, think this exists in the real world. Because it, to me, it's not, uh, you know, it wasn't necessarily an egregious, it's not like he tried to kill his brother or something like that. Yeah, like clearly, just, this is a life-threatening situation. Uh, yeah, but it, I don't know. For me, it rides the edge of acceptable for, for the character. And I, the reason I like Sam is because he is a flawed character. He's not, like, Nathan Drake is very kind of squeaky clean, perfect kind of guy. But he was flawed even if he did do something bad. And, like, those flaws still exist without having a a twist for the sake of having a twist. I I just don't think it added anything other than extending the story and making me question a character that I already like, who I knew was flawed and still liked to begin with. Now you're adding another layer? Like, I'm like, this guy was a bad guy and I liked him. Now he's a real asshole and I still kind of like him like like so what, what's the point and again like Elena I think she was she's too smart for Talk about Elena yeah sure <laughs> <laughs> Elena it like she feels like too smart a character to to buy into this stuff and again I just think it's a disservice to her and she just seemed to forgive him way too fast yeah and uh that's a, the the one thing that I like there's a part when she rejoins with, with them and then they're together for a little while in the jungle and they're kind of like, I don't know, not talking about yeah. it right now and that kind of thing. And then um, and then there's a part where she appears to have died, but she's just playing with him. But when she, when, when that part, like she's playing dead, and I was like, I was playing that and, and I'm looking at it, I'm like, holy shit, did they just kill Elena? Did they? They should have probably. Yeah, because I was like, I, and then when she was like, "Oh, I'm just pretending," I'm like, "Oh god!" Like it would have been way better if there was actually a repercussion to him, like, you know, lying to her, going off in this adventure. True. Yeah, yeah. Um. And then and then she died because of it. Like that would have actually been like a real impactful story moment. They I could thought. probably really taken that somewhere too, where J- Drake completely changes his mindset or whatever. Yeah. And like and the like brother has lied to him to bring him on a ad- yeah exactly yeah. Uh, yeah it was just a little too happy and unconsequential for me yeah. and honestly that happens in every video game the difference is no one is praising every video game for having the best storytelling ever so when you're saying that about your game again you're exposing yourself to criticism all I have to say is I think they probably threw around all those ideas and then Sony probably threw a book boatload of money just over here saying you know what let's <laughs> yeah. just keep all these characters around just in well, case i, am, I almost <laughs> think it's more the epilogue like the the epilogue becomes a problem with with those kind of scenarios mm-hmm. and the, well, you might the not lo- need an epilogue oh though. the other thing i hated was the reveal that they made they're not actually he's not a descendant of drake like that's the whole <laughs> gimmick to the game like yeah. in the first one and all of a sudden oh we just said we're drakes when we're not like that I thought that was all right. I don't know. It seems to me like it somehow makes him a more believable character. Like it grounds his character a little bit more. If you believe that he actually is, then he just seems like he's in this sort of like superhero category almost. You know what I mean? 
But I, I think that's why, the, for me, the story works in so many ways. Like, they are delving into the past of these characters. You know, they introduce a new character, and they flush him out so well. And it is largely because you get to see parts of his past, and it's not just, here's a guy, go kill bad guys, have some funny banter. Like, Yeah, I'm not sure if I... I totally agree. I like, I like the flashbacks as a variety to gameplay and like, you know, a different shift in narrative storytelling in games. But I think, I don't think it added that much to the character of Sam for me. Uh, It's a stereotypical big brother, little brother relationship, which I mean, spending 30 minutes with that versus two minutes isn't a huge difference to me other than it's gameplay. Uh, I think the success of Sam is the execution of the, the, the look of the character, the performance. Uh, except for the neck tattoo. Except for that. That's <laughs> the one blemish. The little birdies on the neck. But I just think like it, it's so hard to introduce new characters. And all these games try to have a new hero in their game. And they're always like kind of lame. And nothing really works. For them to introduce that strong of a character to me is like the most impressive thing the game does. Speaking of the backstory, I almost wish they, they kind of, well, so they, they're looking for like their mother's diary. Who's obviously a similar explorer. I almost wish they fleshed her out more. So you'd more understand like why these kids are so obsessed with history. Like they're talking about how Nathan Drake knows all this historical facts, but they just kind of state it blatantly, like bluntly and just go on like it's nothing oh yeah like you know all this crazy 14th century spanish stuff and no big deal and it just would have been nice to maybe get to know where they came back even more like i think dwyer you're saying more flashbacks would have even been nice yeah. uh, and i sort of agree with that but i do think you know getting into some of that stuff like to me it's like they offer a bit more of an explanation as to how Nathan Drake got to be the way he is and why he is the man he is. But I feel like if you go too far into that, then it's like you realize this is not possible. This is unbelievable. Like for him to know all the stuff he knew at such a young age, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it could have worked still, but uh, to me it was just enough. Um, But just on the topic of Elena again, again, when you were saying before Frank that you didn't like what happened with her character, I thought, because I had only played a little bit, I assumed she was just not in the game at all, and she was just left at home. I would have preferred that. See, I, I think the thing maybe that you're missing, like I think like she likes the adventure too, right? And like that's part of the reason why she ends up forgiving him. Like She understands why he's doing it and why he's drawn to this. And why at the end she buys the company. Yeah, because she, she likes it too. So it's like, yeah, okay, why are we denying ourselves this thing that we both actually love, you know? And it really worked for me. Uh, I can agree that maybe the forgiveness happens too quickly. I, I, I think there's a bigger issue here. He's never that? told her she ha- he has a brother. Yeah. Like, like there's lots of issues with this relationship that are exposed by... Well, he thought she was dead. Yeah, you wouldn't still wouldn't tell them, oh, I had a brother that died and how mm, you grew up. Not and necessarily. That you made, like... It just maybe he's okay. ashamed of him. He's in prison. Okay. Like, I don't know. But at that I point, you're exposing, oh, you changed your name. You made up your name some time ago. Like, how did they get married with, like, some faith, fake birth certificate? All these other things. Like, <laughs> it, it just exposes okay. a, a foundation of lies for the relationship <laughs> that I just think she, 
I'll, I'll give it. Okay. You're in this situation. Anyway, you have to deal with it. What I would question is why she flocks to that situation. Uh, like she brings herself into it. And secondly, like it, it's dealt with so quickly. I mean, it's, it's not horrendous, but it's just, it could have been better. And, and if it was the first uncharted game, maybe I'd, I'd let it slide a bit because I don't know these characters that well, but I, I do. And that's a testament to this series. And it just felt out of character to me. Uh, I, I guess just one other quick point too, like, um, like you guys were saying about, um, Nathan and his brother, you know, having him having lied to him and then, you know, having them kind of have that conflict towards the end of the game. I, I, you know, granted it doesn't have to be this way, but it works nicely in that, like it parallels the story of the pirates that they're following throughout the game. Right. Like, I think that's part of the intention. Like why not have, here's an idea. He doesn't know his brother's alive. Somehow they find out that someone has his brother. Like they try to blackmail uh, Nathan Drake into getting a treasure and he's he finds out his brother's still alive has a reason to tell his wife she goes with the adventure with him she's his partner for the beginning and that's how you like just introduce it a different way that involves characters and makes them smarter rather than being kind of like actually dumber have and the cliches. Salazar guy or whatever his name was Pardon? actually have the Salazar yeah, or guy something or like just make it make it real I Again, I, this is a pet peeve of mine personally, like made up stories that kind of get like flicked with a switch and same as insanity and double personality stuff. It just, I just don't like it in narratives at all. It's, it's so is it me. the fact that they actually showed that scene and then making it seem like that really kinda, happened? Kind or? of, but not really. Not totally. I think okay. it's a lazy choice too. I, okay. I have an Elena... Tangent question for Frank. Okay. Did you beat her Crash Bandicoot high score? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what? I thought that was impossible. <laughs> like, like wow. 10, the trophy for, for it? I don't know. No, I, just, I got the trophy for it. Oh, so. you must have then. Yeah. Damn it. I thought that was impossible. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Any other spoiler stuff? I have one. We haven't talked about the character of, is it Nadine? Is that the other Nadine, right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, female villain? I liked her. Her story, actually, I liked a lot with how she interacted with Rafe, and it wasn't like a, a nefarious villain. She had, you know, her own motives, and she handled those well. My problem with that character is there's so many times where they can be out of this situation by shooting her or shooting Rafe, and there's guns pointed at them. Yeah. And I've already killed 700 characters in this series. <laughs> And then it's like this, oh, I don't kill anyone uh, who doesn't attack me. For They have a throwaway line to handle this. And it's just, no, absolutely <laughs> not. Like, you're, you're disrespecting your audience when you know that character has a gun. We could solve all our problems in two seconds, but they don't for some reason. And the same thing kind of happens with the rope. Like, introducing a mechanic like the rope that's so specific to hooks and ledges and it it, it kind of undermines the like. Why can't I use the rope everywhere? It, it a lot of the new things they added in the game were definitely there's only very specific places. Yeah, that, I, ultimately, I'm fine with climbing with it. though. You yeah. can only climb certain spots. It's true. I mean, it's. I'm, a, I'm, I am always surprised though. Like, there's you know when you're <laughs> jumping around and you suddenly grab onto something, and I'm like, oh shit! Like they really put mm -hmm. like climbing ledges on everything. But yeah. 
I, I still don't think a video game has done like an actual narrative, amazing story. I can't, I can't think of one like that's one that's trying to emulate. I'm not talking about indies and stuff like that. I'm talking about something that's trying to emulate blockbuster storytelling. Like nothing has done it. I don't think. I, you know, I think this comes pretty close, but I guess it depends what you want out of a blockbuster story. Like to me, everything relies on the characters and like there are very few game franchises that have characters that I feel like you know and you care about like these ones. Yeah, I guess what I'm saying more is in terms of a twist or an idea, like a narrative idea, something that hasn't been done in a movie already or like I'm like, wow, this game came up with a story and I, there's some aspect to it that I've never seen before. Like they beat movies to the punch on something or like, like how was there not a movie with this already? Like they, they just beat movies to the punch is the best way I can say it. And that's never happened. They're always playing catch up. Yeah. And I, I can't believe a game hasn't separated itself. It's, it's so weird to me. Yeah, I mostly agree with you, um, but I don't know. It is a step in the right direction, so I hope yeah, for sure. people are paying attention. And um, is there something else? Oh, last thing I wanted to ask you guys. I mean, I don't know if you have other spoiler stuff. This isn't really spoiler-related, but so we talked about, kind of talked about where this game sits in the series, but do you guys want to rank them just for... For uh, just to get it out there, prosperity. And do we include the Vita game? Is my second question. No, <laughs> <laughs> didn't finish it. Okay. Uh, two, one, four, three. If I'm, inc- I'm gonna do a little mix here. I'm gonna include Tomb Raider, new Tomb Raider. <laughs> I do Uncharted two, Uncharted one, Tomb Raider, Rise of the Tomb Raider, so- Uncharted four. <laughs> Uncharted three. So we include Tomb Raider games, but not the Uncharted Vita game. Yes. Got it. <laughs> I would. I'm 100 percent on board with Frank's. Ordering. Uh, I think it's two, four, three, one for me. Four, two, three, one for me. Ooh, one is one a gem. <laughs> one, it, pe- one haters. Over oh, here. it's so simple. These guys so are giving pure. it like a nine point three instead of oh. nine point five. Yeah, it's, it's such a pure it's, experience. It's good. It's very good, but it's uh, doesn't compare. It's to so the revolutionary. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I I I was touting the Uncharted. No one had a PS3 at SK. I was the only one that had it. I was like, you guys are missing out on Uncharted. I, was I would hear one. every day yeah. Frank telling me, yeah. oh, you got to play like, Uncharted. Oh, got to play it's, Uncharted. It's, it was like, yeah. oh, PS3 shit. I'm playing, <laughs> I'm playing 360. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> the reviews were, they were like, oh, we'll give it an 8. This game's okay. And then, boom, suck on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the best feeling. <laughs> I got one more. Thing maybe you guys can help me out with. So the last kind of area, you know how there's that ship graveyard on the outside of the island? Yeah. Now, didn't they just fly in on this island with Sully? Isn't Sully circling the island in his plane looking for a spot to <laughs> land? Why didn't they just be like, hey, there's a big fucking ship graveyard right there? Let's start there. <laughs> was there was there a roof over top? Like was no, it inside the cave? No, it was wide open. Yeah, I I guess I was also. How has no one found this island before? Yeah, like oh, it's, yeah. it's it's impossible. Like it's <laughs> the size of this stuff. Like it's crazy. I thought they were gonna tie in the some kind of Bermuda Triangle or. Uh, yeah, it seems <laughs> like, like when you arrive, it seems like everything's kind of hidden 
But then when you get into the town, it's just open air everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally an enormous city yeah. Yeah. covered in water. <laughs> no one's ever spotted. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, that I just thought that was a little suspect of the story yeah. there. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> uh, okay. So that's it for Uncharted 4. Let's uh, move on to talk Severed. Holy crap. Oh. All right. So uh, how do you guys want to do this? Do we want Tune to... back in next week for <laughs> part two. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like we can, I don't know. There's not. What, well, what... do you want to talk about the game first or like our experiences with it? Or Yeah, before? sure. Let's do that. Yeah. Well, I personally loved the game. We right should now. maybe also just say it's out now for the Vita coming out for. Coming out soon for iOS, 3DS, Wii U, maybe Android. Still, still figuring okay. out Android. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, I by the end of the game, I love the mechanic. Like once I got long swipes down, and everything else. Like I never did a battle more than three times. I think so. Like I, I got it. I was enjoying it. Uh, so much to the point where where there's the infinite enemy spawn room for getting all the different parts like where you pull the switch and it's those waves. Mm -hmm. Like I did that until I could upgrade everything, like just for the fun of the mechanic and obviously getting every trophy. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess my big, well, my one criticism would be that the first temple or the first area is almost too big. Like I kind of lost track of my goal in the first area. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, I, I was kind of just doing a lot of dungeon crawling where the other areas are a little, are they smaller? I think I'm not sure. I was they're just getting up, better. They're broken up better. Than, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So th that would be my only like strong criticism. Uh, but the map helps. Like if I ever got lost, I, I could rely on the map. Um, I'm trying to think like, I love the enemy design. Like, the different I haven't played Infinity Blade. I don't know. Like is it all like is it similar to that or Infinity Blade, uh pretty much you're always fighting the same enemy. And yeah? only one oh, at a okay. time. Yeah. So all the way different ways they react and recognizing those and the leveling up within them, I thought there was more than enough variety of enemies in the game. Which when I first started I was like, hmm, how how far is this gonna go? And I think there was a lot. And the bosses I thought were amazing for that really good um uh, what were some other story wise I, I liked it i i don't know if i like loved it but more importantly it was like the design was the thing i liked like the what do you call the lady with the or the the, the wanderer is yeah. it the wanderer yeah the bird Lo lady i <laughs> love i love the wanderer the wanderer is probably my favorite like character aspect of the game so i did that i like I think I found most of the like the relics and all that stuff on my own. I thought that was really good. If if I could add one thing to the game, I think it might be a bit more like I don't know if like secrets or things in a room like to look for while you're in a room rather than I found I was just I knew what I had to do and I got out of the room right away, which is a good thing too. So I, I don't know how strongly I feel about that. Uh but overall, I mean I burned through it pretty much was a, a pretty, 
I don't know. Like I, I, th- I saw some reviews saying they got tired and stuff like that. I, I never really had that. Uh, it was pretty fluid for me, and I, I just thought the mechanic was fun. I don't know. It was very rare that there's a new mechanic these days, so especially a touch one. So I just kind of ate it up. I'm going to back it up a bit and just give a little more higher level or review of the game. Uh, so it's like, it's all touch yes. basically <laughs> the fighting mechanic is you swipe your finger across the enemy. And when you take off a certain amount of health without getting hit, I believe, right. You can initiate severed mode. Yeah. So as you're, as you're fighting, uh, as you're fighting guys, if you're, if you're not getting hit and you're not, uh, being blocked by them, you're building up a meter and, uh, <clears throat> Uh, the meter builds up faster the longer you're able to keep a combo going on a guy without uh, taking damage or, or being blocked. Uh, and once you fill up the meter, the killing blow will launch them up in the air and you can cut off their limbs. And then you, at the end of the fight, you pick up all the limbs and you can use those like as a currency to upgrade yourself. Yes. So that is the key mechanic in the game that Frank's talking about. Yeah, and, I didn't say. <laughs> <laughs> and you can also fight multiple enemies at the same time, though only one is displayed at one at one particular moment and there's a little menu bar at the bottom where you can switch in between the enemies you are you're currently focused on and that works really well because each enemy icon at the bottom has a little ring of time that tells you how close they are to attacking and when an enemy attacks you can counter swipe their attack which blocks their attack therefore you take no damage and I thought all of that layered on top of each other worked really well i did have a difficulty spike in the last dungeon where i really ran into some issues and had to actually like put the game down for a night and come back to it and try again fresh but other than that the balancing was really well in the game worked really well in the game um the mini map frank touched on i thought did a really good job of directing you where you need to go in a dungeon but never actually displaying it outright. It's it's a map where as you progress, it displays more. So they give you just kind of little breadcrumbs on your path towards the end or towards the goal. The subtle thing that really helps that is like highlighting staircases that you've been down or haven't been down. Mm-hmm. Like it was really easy to find where I hadn't been. Yeah. Because I don't think a lot of games do that with staircases. Like a room will be hi- highlighted, yeah. but yeah, we were finding that like if you had to scroll up or down on the floors to figure out which staircases you've taken, it's just like yeah. so annoying. So yeah, yeah. no, yeah. that helped a ton. Yeah, oh, I think that's how I did it. I just like would go <laughs> up, down, up, down, <laughs> try to find where I was. Um, let's see here. Oh, I I found that when I first started playing, I was. Every room I would go in, I was just like constantly circling, seeing if there's any treasures. Yeah. And then I realized that all the major stuff is just on the map. So you don't need to, you know, Bethesda style search <laughs> yeah. every corner of every room, which that, was nice. That was the biggest thing for me because that, that's the way I am when I play games. Yeah. I do that. So not, I was like, well, maybe this time they switched it up. And that's like, but yeah, ha- I just had to ingrain it that if I need to know, that something's there, the game tells me. Yeah. And it was, is there any penalty for death? I didn't think there was, other than going back to sort of like your last autosave, right? No, there's no penalty. Yeah, if okay. anything, it's maybe a bit of a reward. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> so you, you get your health back. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see here. 
Yeah, I think that's really it. I mean, overall, the game was paced really well. I never really got tired of the game. I played through it pretty consistently over the course of a couple of days and platinumed it, which I haven't really done to many games. Love it. Smartest decision a game can make. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought even though you also have, I get, what do you call those special powers? Uh, you gain sort of special powers that will unlock, unlock secret doors, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And they just add to the gameplay where I felt, and those are also marked on your map. So you know exactly where every secret area is that you can come back to. And it just compels you to come back. What's, what's the freeze one called again? Like where the you, blind blind yeah. is a rage rage. Yeah. And uh, absorb absorb. Yeah. Or devour. We call it devour. Yeah. Devour was my favorite. I think, especially once you level it up to also blind. Yeah. Like, yeah. I was using that all the time. I found I didn't use those in battles that much. Probably why I had such a difficulty. Yeah, yeah, you have to. You're use not them. using them near yeah. the end. You're yeah. going to be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So I just mastered it by not using those. And I guess that was what I liked the most about the game is the slight puzzly aspect of how you, there's some battles where you have to be perfect mm -hmm. almost to do it right, like timing wise and using the right buff or whatever. Uh, either to remove things from them and a strategic cho strategic choice to remove, you know, uh, like, like their attack damage to you or your defense. Like, uh, and I think some areas are designed to be, it's not like on the main path of the game. Mm -hmm. It's a separate area with a secret that has like a, a perfect battle, almost perfect battle scenario. Yeah. yeah I guess that's one thing we could add. Enemies can be buffed. And you you have an ability that can take away buffs from them, which is very like Frank was saying, very strategic in certain battles. I don't know if you do you run into any of those on like the critical path to the end, or are those all like where you need to remove stuff? No, no, it, but it does help a lot. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah the, the last boss, maybe. Uh, yeah, the last boss, maybe. Uh, but yeah, the hardest fights in the game are the ones that are like the optional ones uh, yeah. that you you can go back to and do after you've gotten all the powers and. Uh, if you're not using, if you're not doing exactly what we've designed, you're not going to yeah. get through it. So, and yeah. I think, obviously, that probably forced the hand of like the death decision, like to respawn and retry it right away, rather than having to, you know, redo all that stuff to get back to that fight again. But that made me want to do it again and take a different approach. Mm -hmm. If I had to, you know, retraverse an area to get to that fight. I'm sure you probably play tested this or yeah. whatever. I, I <laughs> yeah. would have snapped. So yeah. I, I think that was a very wise decision. Definitely. I agree. Yeah. If you had to backtrack a whole bunch, it would have been painful. Was there yeah. ever a point where that was it? And you guys like switched it? There was uh, for a while. There was like specific rooms that would save and they were marked on your map. So, you mm -hmm. know, you could run back there, but what, yeah. So what we found was people would do, do a fight. They'd run back to that room. Then they'd run to the next fight and then oh. run back to that room. Oh, that's totally how I play every Metro. Game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Just like total chicken shit. Like, get, get this done, run back, save. Get this done, run back, save. I guess in terms of the overview, too, I don't know if we mentioned, like, first off, it, the perspective is first person, like more of like yeah. a mist style dungeon exploration crawler. game or old dungeon crawler. Yeah. And the art style, similar to Guacamelee, but its own kind of flair mm. and i also love the uh what are those the two-headed oh, bird thing no the, the is it ravens are they ravens or the crows the crows yeah, crows yeah. sorry yeah and the, the ones that talk that you give the 
oh, the yeah. keys to and stuff like that. I like that quite a bit. The only mechanic I wasn't crazy about was the sun and moon doors. Okay. Like, I was like, they obviously have to be very specifically designed that there's certain paths that work and certain ones that don't. And when I was doing my cleanup run at the end to get everything, I just found like that became a, a bit of a chore. But yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, the the way that we kind of designed the game was we uh, we wanted every level to have a like a unique mechanic to it. And at first, we didn't have that. So it, it, like. There's the, the way the game is structured. There's basically like three big dungeons and then a final smaller dungeon uh, with the last boss fight. So each of the dungeons, they just started to feel like they started to feel monotonous uh, without these extra mechanics. So the first dungeon we added the sun moon doors, which uh, which so about halfway through you get you gain the ability to hit these gongs that change it from daytime to nighttime. And in nighttime, some doors are open, and the daytime, some other doors are open. So that just lets us do like some you know, navigation puzzles where you're mm -hmm. like, you're looking at your map. I got to get there. It's got to be nighttime for me to go that way. But yeah, the problem with that one I, I find is when you're going back and backtracking those things, those doors become just a nuisance because, you know, I want to get to this room over here that I haven't reached before and I have to make it daytime and then nighttime and then daytime and just like a chore to, to get to the rooms to make that to happen. Um, and the second level, the mechanic was these portals where you're getting gems to activate these portals and the portals are jumping you around to different parts of the world. Which is kind of interesting because you get like a different flavor from like each of the different parts of the world has like different mechanics that you have to play with. Um, and then the last dungeon, you have this bird where you're giving it keys and it's bringing it around. To, uh, there's there's certain types of keys that will be destroyed if you go through certain doorways. And you have to use this bird to bring the keys around for you to different parts. To me, that level. was the strongest. Like it integrated yeah. the most with story and was kind of different. Yeah. Uh, well, so I guess I should say, like, I didn't finish the game. These <laughs> two guys made it to the third dungeon, and I, I think I'm was probably just starting to get to what Huck City is talking about, where it was starting to get really hard for me. And I, I think number one, I probably was not using enough magic stuff, mm -hmm. um, which was probably a problem for me. But I, like, did you guys have issues with difficulty? Like, was this designed to? with the intention of it being more for a hardcore gamer or like, I don't know. Cause Frank said he like breezed through this thing in like what, five hours or something. No, no. Oh, cause like I was at like eight hours of gameplay and I haven't finished it yet. Well, I, mean, I, think, I think, I think I was like six and a half or seven. Okay. That sounds about average. Yeah. yeah. So like I was definitely doing a lot of fights over and over again. Although I think I was hitting some of the optional ones and it's actually like a testament to the combat that even though I was frustrated and it was hard, I kept wanting to do it over and over again. I kept trying over and over again. Just to but add to like, that, Sean, I think when I fail the fight, especially when I would like try to debuff someone who had an, like you can't debuff them. Like you know, yeah. I, most of the time when I failed, I felt like that's, it was my fault for the most part. Like I hit them when I'm not supposed to, I missed a counter or a parry all that stuff. And the only ones where it wasn't like that, where I was so close was like the, the floating shoes when yeah, I would just run out of through. time. Yeah. Like barely, but those are the, yeah. the side perfect battles pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I mean, it is, there are certainly ones where it's a lot of managing stuff and you have to be perfect. Uh, but then, you know, with the magic and stuff, there's different strategies you can always try and you're like, oh, this isn't quite working. It must be something I'm not quite doing right. Um, so I, I mean, I don't know. It's not like I gave up on the game 
it was more because I had to start focusing on Uncharted Four, but <laughs> I probably will go back to it. But I like I definitely like there's certain fights where I was like sitting there, I'm like sweating, and I'm just like <laughs> fuck, you know. And it's like it's really like intense at times, but it was it was definitely tuned uh, to be on the hard more hardcore side. Uh, in fact, the uh, the new versions that are coming out will have a ca- uh, casual difficulty to make it more accessible. Oh, beautiful. So, yeah. Will so that be right patched into the Vita version or probably not because okay. people aren't really clamoring for it over there. But... Well, I'm, I'm assuming you maybe did research that a lot of the Vita players are. Yeah. Maybe more. The people who are hardcore. Playing on Vita, yeah. yeah. Like they're, yeah. they're gamers. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, I, I also did like, you know, the exploration elements of it. Like I kind of agree with Frank. Like I, more of that would have been good, like more stuff to interact with and, and uh, more puzzle stuff. But I did really like that. Like that's just the stuff I gravitate more towards. So I like that about it. And I know like Frank, you brought up um, Infinity Blade, but I would have Which to. Which I've s- never played, so I don't know. Right. But I would have to assume Fruit Ninja had to be an influence in some way. Like yeah. to me, that's what it is. Like Fruit Ninja, but with gore and like <laughs> you know as a dungeon crawler yeah, kind of and now that i think about it i'm surprised there wasn't like an enemy or boss that tossed yeah. projectiles <laughs> at you that you had to swipe before they hit you <laughs> that would have been cool but yeah i mean i don't know it's just uh i think focusing on something that's unique to touch screens was a really cool idea seems like maybe that in a commercial sense, wasn't uh, a great thing for you guys, but I I think you you will probably find it a, a pretty big audience on iOS with that. Um, yeah, I I mean I really like the art style as well. I think uh, like is it is it just uh, the same guy that's essentially doing the art like the main art design for all your games yeah or? well we got two guys uh, uh one who's a concept artist and animator he's uh he's also the guy who pitched this game and guacamelee uh and uh another guy who does all of the background art uh so those two guys together they just have like this it's pr- pretty distinct their style together the, uh, the animation and the backgrounds uh and a lot of people asked us is this in the same universe as guacamelee just because of the art uh right but it's not it's a very different say, say, <laughs> say it's in the, the gone home universe <laughs> <laughs> and by proxy the bioshock universe. Nice. <laughs> that would quadruple your sales totally <laughs> just just to follow up on sean's question about the bouncing um so s- the experience is kind of when how you sever how well well you are at severing the limbs yeah and then you use that to buy upgrades so did you – what sort of considerations did you have to make uh, in terms of balancing for people that are, let's say, like Dwyer, yeah. less like <laughs> Frank and I? <laughs> so there's there's a lot of uh, – Why are you guys taking a beating? <laughs> oh, this is a question for you. So did did any of you use the uh, – uh, I forget what we call it, like the, the transmorphing oh, yeah. tech? Okay. Um, My only criticism with that, Ben, I wish I could have broken – like other things into the generic ones yeah, at a, penal- yeah, yeah, at a yeah, penalty yeah. or something sure. like that. Like, yeah, getting giblets out of the, yeah. yeah totally. Oh yeah. I use that as well. Um, so, uh, well, as you can imagine, there's a lot of spreadsheets where it's like <laughs> how many, how many parts are available to people and what percentage are they getting, what percentage of p- parts are they going to be able to sever off and all that, and how much do the upgrades cost and all that stuff. Uh, we did a lot of play testing to try and figure out like, how like in how many battles are they going to be severing and what's the average number of parts they're going to get per battle and that kind of stuff and uh 
play play testing like a lot of different skill levels and then trying to find like a, a median number where uh where you're going to have most of the upgrades by the time you get to the final boss. Uh, and then right before the final boss, there's this one room that Frank mentioned where you can just pull a chain over and over and there's like guys just guys will just spawn there over and over. So you can, uh, and there's a bonus room right behind that one. If you do like eight rounds, then a, a door opens up and you go in there and you just get a ton of parts there too. So it's like just letting you finish 100%ing everything before you go to the last boss. Uh, uh, but yeah, mostly based on play testing. Yeah, data. okay, yeah. cool. The other, yeah, and that reminds me of one thing I, I wasn't as crazy about, which was the poison jars. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. <laughs> because, I mean, there's, I think is it, <laughs> there's one case where it's an advantage to break them, I think, right? Where you have to to solve a puzzle. Uh, you don't even have to break it in that case. No? no. Oh, I thought I had to. But no. I just, like, I, you know, I, like, I know I don't, I shouldn't hit them. Right? Yeah, but I still did. Like, <laughs> just to be ju- just to be sure that there was nothing behind them. So I, like, I, still... I think they were a little bit too liberal in the in the game. But uh, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, the, they're not that fun of a mechanic once you figure it out. It's just like you have to be careful. You can't just smash everything. Yeah. You got to like be more careful about what you're doing. Yeah. But for the people who just love smashing everything, yeah. But I still do it. I still do it anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess. Like that's a testament to the satisfaction of swiping and breaking things. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, okay, well, so uh, any other general thoughts on the game before we maybe just start peppering Graham with questions here, or what? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Like, I I really like the game. I definitely recommend it for people. I don't know. It's it's hard to pinpoint what to compare it to or what people what kinds of people would be into it most like i think it definitely has elements of like zelda and metroid stuff in there Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of like the level design and stuff and the puzzles and all that yeah my my favorite thing is in today's gaming climate it's unique like it stands out and not in a not fun way like to stand out and be fun is a good thing like it's easy to stand out by doing something you know weird or different but those games aren't always the most fun games either. So uh, the fact that it's both is what I think is what makes it great. Uh, I was just going to make a gone home joke. But <laughs> pull back on that. One. Yeah, I would, I would give it a, a four and a half out of five. And I would like to put it in perspective. Guacamelee would be a five out of five. Yeah. I think about the same. Yeah. Four and a half out of five. And, uh, I found that I thought I was going to get tired of the swipe mechanic. I never really did, which I I think is a true testament to the game that you guys put enough variety in the enemy encounters and in uh, the the swipe mechanics as a whole that it never really got bored. Or I never really got bored through the you know six to eight hours of play. And I mean, I played it like over the course of a couple of days, so you know it, I was in it a lot. Yeah, that time. Uh, question with regards to I don't know if this is going to tie into something Huck said he was going to ask you, but like, so because it's you know first person perspective dungeon crawler, but as you move from room to room, you have sort of this transition effect where you jump into the next room. So it's not um, it's like a crossfade kind of. Yeah, which I, the first time like I started it, it was a little bit odd, but then quickly I adapted to it and kind of grew to like it i think because it it was such a quick and easy way to jump from room to room and it just it felt right 
Um, but like, I'm assuming there was a technical reason for that or was that a, just a stylistic thing? Uh, yeah, it's like, uh, at the very, the, like one of the first things we did on the project was we start, we started trying to figure out, okay, we want to make this game. Uh, how is it going to work in our existing engine, which is completely 2d, like coming off of guacamole. Um, and you know, we tried a bunch of different things. Like we're doing different mockups, uh, using like 3d studio max animations and stuff like this. And at one point we were considering doing the whole world completely in 3d, but like we don't have 3d artists at our studio. So how are we going to do that? Are we going to billboard things, just make everything in 2d and billboard it? Uh, eventually we set on the, on this kind of, it's uh, the way I would describe it to someone who hasn't seen it. It's kind of like uh, Google street view where you're able mm -hmm. to spin around. Uh, you can look 360 from where you're, from where you're standing and then you click to move forward and it jumps you to the next 360 view. And, uh, uh, and so the, the rooms in our game are just like basically built on a grid and you're moving from room to room through doorways. Um, and, uh, it's, while you're standing in any specific room, it's basically like, uh, there's like three cylinders wrapped around the player at different distances. So when you, when you're moving forward, you can kind of see this parallax as you're moving through a doorway, you can see the different layers. Um, and they're, uh, so they're just basically, they're, they're flat, three flat 2d images that are wrapped around you in a cylinder. Um, and then within that we're placing objects and props and enemies and stuff like that. So, hmm. yeah. Cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have one, I have one question. Um, were there mechanics or ideas that didn't make it into the game because it like it was too difficult? Like were there other design ideas that were like we like this, like we play it all the time and we like it, but people in playtesting or for whatever reason they're just like it's too advanced for them that they'll never reach that point. Hmm. There was because I could see the game going like even further with difficulty and enemy design, and if you guys just had to say no, this is as hard. Excuse me, as hard as we can make this game. There was yeah, there was a lot of enemies that were prototyped that got cut. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, from the from the mechanic side of things, uh, we kind of it, the the way the project kind of went was we're always adding like another layer on top of what was there to make it to try and the. Fill like, gaps and like, it, yeah, we, like the, the, the main problem that we had with this. Pro so first of all, when we started working on severed, it was going to take a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it ended up taking two years. Uh, we built the vertical slice in about eight months. And, uh, uh, so a lot of the tech was there for that. And that was like a 15 minute demo. And then we, st we went back and we're like, okay, now how we turn this into like a five hour game. And it just felt like it's going to be so repetitive. So then we had to like, we were always adding like new mechanics. So, so we added multiple floors, like now the dungeons can have multiple floors. And then we added like the sun moon gong and these other, uh, environment mechanics. We added a lot of different enemies. We added the buffs, we added the stealing of the buffs, the blind, the rage, yeah, I, all those things. Um, we never really, so there were, we never, like we would be really careful about what we picked to make sure that we thought it's something that you're going to, we're going to be able to get like some length of time and use out of. Um, where, where we, uh, failed mostly was on the enemy side of things. Like we were trying a lot of different experimental things with enemies and like we had this one enemy where you had to, you could knock him up into the air and he, while he was in the air, that's the only time you could, uh, you could hit him, but it caused all these problems. Like, uh, what if you froze him in the air? Like he has to, and, and what if you kill him and what if you hit the killing blow in the air? Like go uh, higher. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah. 
there was with this one guy there was like a mirror enemy that you couldn't really see he was like cloaked to the background and he would come out and just a lot of those experiments completely failed and we uh, end up cutting those yeah i guess i was almost thinking more more intricate slashing mechanics or like non-line stuff or anything oh yeah yeah like one big thing that we were at the very start of the project we wanted to be able to cast spells drawing de- jesters yeah and then it's like okay well Detecting the gesture. Yeah, detecting. Yeah, yeah. So how simple is your, does your gesture have to be? Yeah. And then how do you know it's a gesture and not a slash? And those problems, yeah. Uh, so we just like or screw like, the gestures, put buttons on the screen. Multi-touch <laughs> stuff at all? or uh, Multi-touch, uh, we we talked about it. We're using multi-touch on iOS because mm-hmm. you don't have the, the D-pad anymore. So, oh, right, um, right, okay. So you can, you can drag with two fingers to turn and a single finger to slash. Uh, so we're using it there, but... Um, you know, because we always wanted to, to keep the option open to do, uh, some platforms that don't have multi-touch like the Wii U and 3DS. Sure. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah so we, we tried not to design anything that would prevent that from being good possible. Call, yeah. yeah. I got one here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what, I guess you kind of talked about design challenges. What was the most difficult design challenge you guys ran into during the development? The, yeah. So yeah, I kind of, kind of mentioned it, but trying to keep the game from becoming tedious while you were playing for six hours uh, was the biggest design challenge. And we were constantly hitting that, that wall. Um, And I don't know if we succeeded a hundred percent because, you know, some reviewers did complain that by the end of the game, they were just getting bored uh, in the combat. Um, And that was my biggest fear when we released it too, because, you know, I, at that point I played through the game like 20 times. I'm like, I'm really sick of this game. Um, And in that final, in that final dungeon, you're fighting like four guys and you're just like, oh man, I have to do this again. Um, uh, That was definitely the biggest challenge and always trying to come up with a new idea to keep it fresh all uh, along the whole, the whole game, trying to figure out things that will surprise the player uh, trying to identify those, the points, the, the boring points and put something uh, to keep it interesting. That's, that's for sure the hardest challenge of the project. Yeah. Cool. Um, so why the classic dungeon crawl? Not the most popular genre right now. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's like when we uh, when we were talking about making the next game, uh, we were just thinking back on you know games that we loved playing when we were younger and. Uh, you know, everyone on the team kind of played different dungeon crawlers. For me, I was playing Betrayal of, uh, Betrayal of Crondor uh, quite a bit when I was younger. And uh, there were, and there also seemed to be like this space that no one's really making games in. The, there's like Legend of Grimrock is a notable example of a uh, recent dungeon crawler. Um, but uh, yeah, it just seemed like no one's really making games in this space. We feel like there's a room to do something different and unique and... Uh, and we loved playing dungeon crawlers growing up, so you know it just felt like a uh, a good space to go into. Cool. Yeah. Uh, this question is a little dated with the recent announcement of the other touch systems, but why Vita only? It seems like quite a risk for a what some would call a dying platform <laughs> to go exclusive. Uh, yeah, like well, you thought it was only going to take a year, right? Instead yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so when we started the project, uh, you know, th- it was uh, before before people were saying, "Oh, the Vita's dead," and uh, and we had only expected it to take a year. You know, we st- we were really starting to feel time pressure uh, at the end of the project to get it out. And I know, like, if we had spent more time, we could have made the be- the game even better. But it was like, you know, we really got to ship this thing now. Um, but yeah, the Vita, like, we had 
we had done a launch title on the Vita, Mutant Blobs Attack, uh, which did really well. And then Guacamelee came out on the Vita and did really well. And this game just seemed really well suited for the Vita because, uh, you know, we wanted to have touch inputs for the combat. And uh, and navigating with the D-pad uh, felt really good, too. So it just it felt like a natural fit for the Vita. And, uh, you know, Sony Sony approached us and were, they were like, yeah, uh, if you guys, uh, if you want to put it on the Vita first, we'll, we'll support you guys. We'll give you space at PS, uh, PlayStation Experience to show it. And we're like, yeah, okay, sure, totally. That sounds great. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we partnered with Sony to do the Vita first. Did you guys ever think about uh, doing, like, I don't know if it would be possible, but, like, PS4 with the touchpad on the controller? Yeah. Like, nobody's using that thing. Yeah. Uh, we, we talked about it, and we, we uh, played around a little bit. The problem is, like, you really... You really need precision with with severed. You need to see what you're touching. Yeah, you can't look at both at the same time. Yeah, and I don't think the resolution on that that uh, touchpad is as good as what we needed. Um, sim- it's not very good, especially if you're on a big screen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a similar thing with like Apple TV. Like we also thought about that because that has a touchpad as well. Uh, but just uh, you really need to be able to see what you're touching for. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to get more. I want to get deeper into this whole Vita thing because it kind of annoys me. Like I feel like the Vita was a great device. I don't know at what point it just like died, but like there was certainly a it's point still where alive. don't don't listen to anyone. <laughs> There's still there, a lot of games coming out on Vita. It's... But I mean, it's all like indie stuff. Sony's not supporting it anymore. Like yeah. there, I don't like. For, for me, it was like Gravity Rush, and then was there another Sony? First party Vita game. I can't well, Uncharted. really. Uncharted. Uncharted was the launch title. Mm, okay. The kill, uh, the Resistance game came yeah. out after that. Um, yeah, I guess there were a few others, what but else? yeah, it's just like to me. I it, took a week off. Was there a second when Vita kill came out? Yeah. It, was Vita, it was my Vitacation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like, I, think about that. I understand. Like, I know even when the the system launched. People were like, this is stupid. Like, everybody's playing mobile games on their phones. Nobody wants a handheld device. And I still thought, like, this is a great way for indie games to be released. Stuff that's on Steam, you can also put it on the Vita. It's like, you know, it doesn't doesn't need to be, like, cutting edge, like, you know, super powerful games. But, like, 2D indie games is perfect for that. And then a lot of the 2D indie games are coming out, and they're, like, PS4 exclusives. Or they say... It'll be cross-play eventually, and the Vita version gets pushed back till it never comes out, you know? Yeah. And it's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> <laughs> or can you say That's anything? A big question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess, like, it, it's... It, okay, so let's say you're making you're an indie and you're making a game for PS4 and Vita, and then uh, your, game, your game development starts to go long, and you start to realize, oh, the Vita is less powerful than the PS4, and we've been developing on the PS4, and it's not really running very well on the Vita. Uh, it's really easy to, to, you know, and, and when you look at like the install base of the PS4 and the install base of the Vita, it's really easy to say, okay, let's not worry about the Vita for now. We'll do that later. Or, or say we're going to get some other third party to, to port it to Vita for us after the fact. Um, it's, yeah, I guess it's just really that the, the numbers are just more heavily in favor of PS4 and it makes more sense to, to focus the efforts there. Um, and I think a lot of third party like engines and plugins and stuff like that don't have optimal Vita support either. Yeah. So if you rely yeah. on that a lot on your games, then that's another burden of bringing it to Vita as well. Yeah, uh, I know I know some people who making making games in Unity and they wanted to bring it to Vita, and then when they tried to run on a Vita, they're just like, okay, it's not going to be possible. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I remember when the Vita launched because I was working on a Vita game initially, and like there was this impression that uh, you could take a PS3 game and it would run perfectly on the Vita, like it would just come right across. And like slowly, people started realizing that's not the case. The Vita is actually a little bit underpowered, and you got to make some compromises to make that happen. So then I imagine once the PS4 comes out, that gap is just like insane, mm. and then that's where it starts to fall apart, I guess. It really depends on the kind of games you're making, though. Because, like, for us, uh, like, we made our first game about a blob on PS3, and we ported it to Vita in a week. And it, there were some performance problems, but not nothing major. Like, uh, I think a couple weeks later, it was running great on it. So it really depends if you're pushing the, the hardware, how hard you're pushing the hardware. Uh, I feel like it's... Uh, now that we're porting to 3DS... That's a much bigger challenge. Uh, How's that 64 yeah. megs of memory doing? Yeah, in, and you got to render the scene twice if you want it in 3D. Just do it for yeah. the new 3DS. Yeah, some people are doing that, but yeah. yeah. Hmm. Have a chug on the old one. <laughs> Nintendo doesn't care. Why should you? <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I totally agree with what you're saying about the Vita being... It's, it's such a shame that uh, it's not more more played device right now because you know it's a really great little device i mean i still play mine all the time but uh my my only thing with the vita it still doesn't feel that comfortable in my hand for some reason like i think it could be a little this is a criticism for all handhelds for me like no one's nailed that like taken a a flat design or ergonomic design and had the comfort of a controller yeah. in a handheld. The analog sticks are in an awkward place. I yeah. find on the Vita, but the D-pad is a lot better. If someone could like somehow deliver that, I think that would like be yeah. the ultimate handheld. So you're saying you want the Vita Neo? <laughs> sure. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm guessing that's like the Wii U gamepad is trying to get to that. Yeah. Right. And I'm guessing Nintendo's console might be pushing towards that as well based on some of the uh, patents and other mm. things. Yeah. Okay. I think That's with the Vita too, uh, there's quite, I think people overestimate how much video memory there is on a Vita. Yeah. And when you don't, when you're using an out of the box engine and you don't have the exposure to all that memory management, that makes it a lot easier. Like, like Drinkbox has their own engine. It's just so much easier to be able to just go right into the guts and be like, okay, this let's just change where the memory's going however we want. And it makes it so much easier to sort of redesign it so it'll work for your game. And I think in you know Unity and, and I don't know whatever else engine could even run on Vita right now, but I just don't think you have that control to be able to just kind of shift things around uh, how you want. It yeah. makes it a lot trickier. And I don't think many indie devs write their own engines anymore. I think that's no, sort of a dying thing. That is definitely an issue. Uh, I mean, it's it's a good thing, but it's got its own drawbacks, I guess. Uh, so I have a few questions. Like, I don't want to take too much more of your time here with this stuff, but I, I had a couple questions just about Drinkbox in general. Do you guys have any games-specific, like, severed questions at all, or...? I guess no. I, I think that's it for me. I have one that you probably can't answer. Is there? Can we get a game junk exclusive on the release day for Wii U? 
and other <laughs> <laughs> and other touch platforms. Uh, I I can honestly say I don't know the release date <laughs> yet. So. Um. Okay. So I yeah. I mean I don't know if we talked about any of this stuff last time you were on. Probably not. But I'm just curious. Like, um. Well. I know the answer to some of this stuff, but for listeners, they might be curious, like how Drinkbox got started and how, because you guys have kind of taken it from just being like two or three people to sort of the next step up, where you're you're a little bit of a bigger indie studio. You're you've had some successful games under your belt. People know who you are. People are anticipating your your next game. So, like, how did you kind of go from that? those those beginnings that every indie studio tries to get off the ground to get to where you guys are now. Yeah, so it feels like uh, we're kind of lucky that we we started the company in 2008, which is a little bit before uh, what I've, I kind of feel like is a big rush, like a rush of people into the indie space. Um, so we were, like I, I remember the first time we went to PAX, for example, there was no indie mega booth. Uh, there was just like uh, a, a bunch of indies who got their own booths kind of spread out among the floor. And then the second time we went to PAX, we said, hey, guys, why don't we get together and we'll get all our booths in the same area? And so then there was like 12 of us together. Uh, and then the next PAX, there was the indie mega booth, which was actually quite small. And every year it's getting bigger and bigger. So uh, getting in early kind of helped. But um uh, the way we got started was we were all working. Uh, there was there was uh, there was a company in Toronto called Pseudo Interactive, and they were making car combat games. They made a game called Full Auto. They made Full Auto Two. Um, before that, they made Cell Damage, which I think you've rediscovered recently. I just was playing it with <laughs> Kieran the other day. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, I was working there for about a year when uh, the project that we were working on, which I think I can say now. Uh, Carmageddon. It was a reboot for Carmageddon that Eidos was going to publish. Uh, and it was coming along pretty cool, but Eidos decided they had to cut some budgets and they've, they canceled a few projects, including that game. And, um, and so uh, there was like a big layoff at the company and it went down to like a small team of, of people, uh, like 10 people left at Pseudo Interactive. And so we kind of knew the writing was on the wall. So we started talking like, what are we going to do? Are we going to take jobs elsewhere? Are we going to at the time, there was no other big uh, game developers in Toronto. Uh, so uh, we decided, yeah, let's try and start our own thing rather than leaving Toronto. Let's let's stay here and try and start our own thing. And um, there had been a few uh, pretty well-known indie games that coming out of Toronto uh, around that time. There was N Plus on 360. There was Everyday Shooter on PS3. Uh, so the first thing we did was we started meeting with those guys who had made those games and just started asking them like a lot of questions like, and those are like one person, two person studios. And we were, we were starting with, uh, with, well, right out of the gate, there was just two of us, but quickly we were like six people. Um, uh, so yeah, we, we met all those guys. We got a bunch of advice. Uh, we started applying for government grants, which also were, was really new at the time where in Ontario and in Canada, uh, they really support uh, digital media and video games are included as part of that. So we started applying for funding to make our first game. Uh, and we got some funding from the Ontario government to make our first game. Uh, we built, we used that funding to build a prototype for about a blob. 
uh, which Frank mentioned, the, the early start of that was just like a, a very simple uh, box 2D tank tread with springs inside of it to keep it uh, shaped like a blob. Um, and uh, we put some colorful art on that, shopped it around to Sony. Uh, well, we, actually, we went to a, a thing called Game Connection, uh, which is an event that they had at GDC. Uh, it's like a networking event where you can meet with publishers and publishers, uh, a, a bunch of publishers saw the name Drinkbox and they're like, oh, that sounds interesting, Drinkbox. And they met with us. Nobody knew who we were at the time. But we had this little demo of a blob game and uh, and Sony offered us uh, PubFund. Uh, and uh, if you don't know what PubFund is, that's basically it's like a, they guarantee you a certain amount of money the day that your game comes out. And then uh, so you don't need to worry about like how many sales am I going to make? You know, you're at least going to get this amount of money on the day that it comes out. And then after it comes out, they recoup the money. Um, so. So we signed that pub fund with Sony. We finished, our, it took three years for us to make that first game because we were also building our engine and our tech at the same time. Uh, and we released about a blob on PS3 in 2011. Then we, around the same time, Sony said, hey, we have this new secret handheld coming out. Uh, do you guys want access to that? And we're like, yeah, sure. So we <laughs> we ported about a blob to it and we made Mutant Blobs Attack as a launch title. Um, that only took a year to make because, you know, it's like a, it's basically a sequel. And we took all of the negative feedback from the first game and tried to fix everything for, for that game. And that game turned out a lot better than... Oh, it, like you could tell the strides you guys made with design between the two games, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's yeah. a huge difference. About a Blob, I feel like, had a lot of issues. And uh, it's for me, when I try and play that game now, I hate it. It's like yeah. really terrible. <laughs> well, the, the sequel just kind of streamlined everything that yeah. was great about the game, right? Yeah, and it... it uh, and somehow we made we were able to make that game way faster too. So that was it was really good. Uh, and the team really had to learn how to work together well. Uh, but at the same time as we were making Mutant Blobs Attack on Vita, we were concepting out Guacamelee. Uh, and uh, Guacamelee, uh, m- much more so than the the first two games that we made, it just seemed to have a mass appeal. Like the humor of the game, the fact that it's a Metroidvania and a brawler and a platformer all together in one. Uh, it just appealed to uh, a, a much wider audience than our previous games had that looked kind of cute or they were on the Vita only or um, or they're kind of slow paced. So uh, with Guacamelee, I, it, it feels like we really managed to that's when we really started to be known as a studio, I think. Um, and uh, uh, that so that game came out a, a year after Mutant Blouse, but we had been working on that one for two years total as well. Um, and uh and how how many people at the studio at this point so yeah so uh we had slowly grown uh because we were working on both mutant blobs and guacamelee at the same time i think we were around 18 people that was like our peak size uh when we were shipping mutant blobs um and the way that our studio works is like a lot of people will come in on like a contract on temporary contract uh, i think there's only ever been like at the most 12 full-time people but we'll we'll go up to like 18 in size uh and then even more if you count like the the people making the uh the audio for the game who are working off-site um but usually that's on like temporary contracts because uh once the game ships you don't have work for all of those people so you have to kind of shrink back down in size um uh yeah so then uh guacamelee was also a pub fund game with sony so there was a uh there's also an exclusivity period tied to the pub fund where they'll give you this money when you launch, but you have to be exclusive for some period of time afterwards. Um, and we, we had always wanted to bring Guacamelee to other platforms as well, but 
Uh, and there was also around that time there was the the PS4 was announced, the uh, Xbox One was announced. So we wanted to bring Guacamelee to those platforms. So we made the Guacamelee Super Turbo Championship Edition. Uh, Microsoft would never; uh, they have a policy where they were not going to take a, a port. So uh, doing the Super Turbo Championship Edition, adding the new features to that, allowed us to also target Microsoft platforms, and we released it on the 360. Um, and then uh, after Super Turbo was done, we moved on to Severed, and uh, now we're here. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess one of the buried things in there, yeah. like, is like trying to main, maintain size, I think, and keep it like. I think a lot of companies can grow too fast and lose focus of what they're doing and stuff like that. I think you guys, in general, keep a pretty uh, like try to keep it manageable and don't lean like, nice and lean, lean. Yeah. that's that's a, that's a good word like just don't try to make like 20 games at once or like yeah you know try to lose focus of like a current game or project yeah so sometimes it feels like uh this the team is starting to get large like when we were 18 people i could really feel it like uh, all of a sudden uh things are moving more slowly because there's much more overhead and management has to happen and people don't know what other people are working on and then when you shrink back to 12, you're like, oh, yeah, this feels so much better. So like, there's this natural size of our team where it's like around 12 people, it feels it feels the most efficient. Uh, and I guess like it, having a small team prevents you from doing bigger kinds of games. But uh, but we don't really care about that. We just want to make, you know, small five hour games and take like a year and a half to do it. So uh, so we don't really feel like this time pressure and we're never going to be making a, like triple A sized games. So. Just feels like the right size for us. And the line for the bathroom is a lot shorter when it's only twelve. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, we we for the longest time we only had a single bathroom, which can be a problem, especially when people are drinking their coffees in the morning. And uh, <laughs> well, I we're the incubator that I'm in or the office space, like it's a shared bathroom, right? Yeah. And there's nothing worse. This is so you get you got to take a deuce big time. <laughs> <laughs> and I walk in there, and both are occupied, Ugh. which happens, and like. I just caught, I got double deuced. I got double deuced again. <laughs> you just try to, oh, that's the worst. <laughs> worst feeling. Yeah. It's a, one of the downsides of, I guess, smaller companies, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> smaller workspaces, communal workspaces. Um, so I've, I think I ask this probably every time we do an interview, but I'm curious, like, for you guys to, like, standing out in a crowd, like, how do you guys, like, do you have, uh, do you do all, like, your marketing ideas and stuff yourself? Do you have people that you work with? Like, do you just expect the, that a good game's going to rise to the top no matter what? Like... What's your strategy? There? Do you mean so? Do you mean like uh, when we're showing the game publicly, or do you mean like in general, just raising awareness? Well, either one, I guess. I don't know. I just feel like, like you said, there is a, approach to marketing. I guess, right? Like, yeah, yeah, but like there are so many indie studios now, and maybe it, partially it is what you said before. You guys were kind of there early. But, like, yeah, it's just, like, especially iOS stuff, it's, like, man, there's a billion games out there. How do you get any sort of attention? I, I feel like it's it's much harder now than it was uh, when we started. But uh, even when we started, like, the first time we went to a PAX show, uh, I think we had arranged three meetings with media. And uh, 
uh, and nobody knew who we were. And I think like maybe two of them showed up of the three and, uh, and maybe one article was written about, about a blob at the time. And most of the people who were coming to our booth were, uh, like people were walking by and not really showing much interest, but like kids were coming and we're like, man, we spent like so much money on this booth and like, we're not going to get any coverage out of it. So for us, it's been a, like a huge learning process over the years. Um, like the first two times we went to PAX, I feel like we could have just thrown that money in the street and it would have been just as useful. Um, but uh, we started working. One thing we started doing pretty early on was we started working with uh, PR companies. Um, and uh, just like before uh, before we go to a show like PAX or, or E3 or GDC or whatever, if we're going to have a booth, we we would get a PR company to arrange meetings for us. And these companies have connections with all of the media and they're able to, to, to generate interest. Like not only do they have the contacts and they know who to email, they know who's going to the shows. Uh, they're also able to like get them excited about your game before they show up. And, uh, so all of a sudden when we started doing that, then we had like back to back meetings for the whole show. And so, uh, so you're, we're spending a bit extra money to get the PR company to help us, but then we're getting a lot more coverage coming out of the show. Uh, so that definitely helped a lot. Um, I guess also the the types of games that we are trying to make are usually pretty different from other things that are out there too. That helps us stand out. Like, um, like uh, about a blob was like a very weird Katamari Damacy two D puzzle platformer kind of game with like sixties art style and uh, not really any other games out there like that. So being able to, st- you're not just a clone of everything else that's out there. So. Um, uh, we tr- we always try to be careful about that, making sure that, you know, the art is distinctive and the gameplay is different. And, you know, we're, we're trying to bring something new to the table each time uh, with our games. So kind of those two things together is how we're trying to stand out for the crowd. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't know. I got a few other things. But one thing I was kind of curious about, like, because you mentioned that there are mo- a lot more indie devs out there like what's your take on the the toronto indie scene as it is right now like is it uh is it a great thing like is it do you feel like there's this community and like is everybody helping everybody else out or is it starting to become like a bad thing like there's too many fish in the pond or (laughs) (laughs) and like why like why aren't there any bigger like we got ubisoft I guess Gameloft is in there. There's not really much else in terms of bigger studios. It seems to Rockstar, be always... Rockstar, Yeah, Rockstar. It, yeah. D- is EA opening an office? I thought I heard something. I heard something about that too, but... Like they open a small, really small office or something like that, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I heard rumors about that, them opening a studio, but I haven't heard anything concrete about that. Um, yeah, I guess like what's happening in Toronto is there's a lot of, there's a lot of video game development programs in Toronto, uh, like... Uh, George Brown has one. Um, I think most of the colleges have one these days and uh, some of the universities as well. And you have all of these people graduating and then, you know, Ubisoft is only hiring so many people. So when you get this degree and you have all these people that you met in school, so what are you going to do? You're going to probably try and make a game on your own. And, uh, uh, so there's, you know, lots of companies starting up and, uh, there, I don't feel like it's, it's not possible for the industry that for the, um, they can't all succeed. There's just too many of them, right? So um, so I really feel bad for people who are coming out. It's like super competitive. Um, 
so, but you know, the best ones are going to stand out and, uh, and, and they're going to succeed. So from, uh, from the standpoint of, from the standpoint of, uh, I guess, consumers, uh, it's great that there's more developers, but actually maybe not, maybe, maybe there's also a problem there that, uh, like there's 10 new games on steam every day. So how do you know? Which are the good games, right? Even on the the Xbox store, yeah. each day there's like ten things, and I just look at the the artwork. I'm like, oh, that's crap. That's crap. Yeah, like not <laughs> not the artwork of the game, like the the splash screen stuff, and just like how it's marketed. And I feel like games can do themselves a dif- disservice by not paying enough attention to stuff like that. Like if you don't have like attractive marketing materials on those storefronts. Like for someone who like is looking to buy, like so, something can stand out almost more as bad immediately or or potentially low budget. Like I wouldn't even try that with some of the stuff that's out there. Like it feels like either cash grabs, right? And yeah. like just get something on the store and hope people buy it. And then you can see the stuff that really separates itself as like a legitimate attempt at a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's just, it's so saturated and Steam's worse than xbox and sony stores too yeah and then ios is even worse Um, yeah so so i guess like from a competition standpoint it's pretty bad uh both for developers who are just you know trying to get started um and for i guess for consumers as well if they're trying to find you know good stuff out there like you're really relying on either the storefront on promoting it to you somehow or word of mouth or uh, or that kind of thing Uh, but then at the same time like I don't feel any hostility between these companies within the city. It's not like that, that love, that competitiveness is not really bubbling down to like the interactions when we're going to social events and stuff like that. In fact, it's almost to the opposite. Like everyone's giving everyone advice and trying to help each other out and being supportive and sharing resources. And like, I you know, multiple times we've, uh, We've, you know, lent coders to other indie studios to help them out with something that they're trying to wrap up or borrow dev kits from another studio because we're trying to finish something. So uh, it's the the community is very sharing and and helpful. So and it's kind of weird. I don't think other uh, like other businesses would not be like that outside of games for some reason. Uh, for some reason, games is more of a you know friendly community. Uh, well, at least the indie yeah the side indies <laughs> yeah, yeah the other side maybe is not quite so much but um okay i don't know i think we're we're starting to get <laughs> a little late here do you guys have any other questions or no just uh congratulations on a, a great game yeah i'm happy yeah. for you guys thanks guys good luck on the other platforms too okay so thanks for the for, for answering our stupid questions graham we appreciate it <laughs> no problem. uh so we're gonna try and burn through some other stuff we've been playing i don't think we have a ton of stuff here but um let's let's keep the pace going here boys (laughs) so frank why don't you kick it off uh well right away we should say we played inside the new game from play dead Mm -hmm. creators of limbo i burned through it last night it came out yesterday i think you did too yeah two two sittings yeah i was a one well i guess two sittings technically as well and I love the game. I love Limbo. It's very similar. Yeah, similar two and a half D. Yeah, puzzle. Yep. Semi platformer. Some brief chase moments, I guess, would be the. Uh, yep. Walking the, simulator. The platforming. I, I wouldn't go as far as to call it a walking <laughs> simulator, but I, I could see the perspective. 
Walking I would, simulator in the sense that it's not really an action game. Like it's yeah, more it's a puzzle. puzzle, yeah. But the puzzles are amazing. They are amazing. And yeah. the most impressive aspect of the puzzles is they kind of reset the game like in ways with like different scenarios for solving puzzles that like they kinda like add new mechanics or Aspects. They just tweak it. Yeah, they, I, I read that this you're thing not about, doing the same things over and over again. I recently read this thing about Mario where they they introduce you to the mechanic, then they get you to practice the mechanic, then they tweak it a bit, and then they make it harder. And like this is like the exact formula. Yeah, but for I would this game. I would say how Limbo creates variety of puzzles is by changing the environment you interact with. Right, like yeah. you can only grab and push things and. You, you're basically, the environment's changing. In this one, it's a combination of both. The environment's changing and aspects of your character are changing. Or yeah. how, how you're interacting is changing, which is a, a pretty interesting twist. And again, there's something about the simplicity of the puzzles and perfect difficulty level yeah. that there was one, there's only... There's two puzzles that are kind of multi-stage, bigger puzzles in the game. Uh, the, the collecting of people? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't have to check a guide. I got close at one, yep. but I resisted, thankfully, and <laughs> did not do it. But I would say, love again, love the art style, uh, great puzzles, a lot of hype about the story and twists. Yeah. I would not say it's that amazing. I don't know no. know if it had an impact on the narrative for me personally. It did gameplay wise, which I loved. Yeah. But I think the gameplay and the overall atmosphere of the game carry it much more than the ending conclusion does. Yeah, as a narrative, I think Limbo as a loose narrative, Limbo is stronger. Yes, uh, but this one's still awesome. Lo love the game. Yeah, I just to add to that, the animations are incredible. There's so many little subtle movements yeah. in the animation. Uh, there's dogs in it, which I'm sure you loved. I did, I did. And there's pigs. <laughs> I love the pigs. <laughs> pigs are pretty sweet. Uh, there's also a lot of... Oh, uh, what about the little chickies? Oh, yeah, little chickens. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Fishies, too. And uh, <laughs> there's, there's a lot of... They do a lot of... This, this game was built in Unity, and so the core of it's in 3D. And they do a lot of little tricks with the camera and also with your your actual player motion or your speed to add or decrease tension. And they're just masterful at that. There's a lot of little chase scenes like Frank alluded to where, um, you know, a dog or something will start coming after you and your guy noticeably starts running faster. Yeah. And, like, you can hear it in the sound and it just adds to the game so much. And if you fail, the dog rips your face off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Well, I guess that's the other good thing is when you die, you get right back into it pretty quickly. Yeah. There's no, no there long... again, like you said with Uncharted, the yeah. checkpoint system is perfect. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And uh, there is, I guess there's some twists with um, some of the puzzles in that. Yeah, it's really hard to not spoil things, but basically how you Don't do it. how you do it. How you control people. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, yeah. So everyone play the game. It's nobody, real good. It's real short. Nobody else does, but I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like three three hours? Three, for me, hours. it was a lot, It was about four and a half for me. Okay, I think maybe I was about the same. Uh, let's see here. I was expecting three, and 
Like it was three thirty in the morning, and I'm like, please end, please. Yeah, end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they have a lot of really cleverly designed puzzles in the sense that they kind of put you in like a puzzle room, and then all your tools are there that you need, and it's just a matter of There's figuring them out. Only so many permutations. That's there. right. Exactly. It's not overly abundant. It's not like the witness where you can literally go anywhere and do whatever you yeah. want. You know, you're stuck in a room. You have maybe five options to do something so once you go through them some of them uh require a bit of outside of the box thinking but most of them you know you'll get after two or three attempts and i think it just they did it perfectly yeah it's amazing uh and how they intermix uh tension and chase things with the puzzles really adds to just the emotional impact of a puzzle uh how they play with it through music and through motion. Uh, and yeah, just a great game. I don't know. What would you give it out of five? Probably a four and a half heavy four and a half. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I would give it the same. I, the ending is a little bit of a letdown for me, but overall the gameplay mechanics carry the game really, really strongly. Killer. Next. Yeah. Keep it going. Keep it going, boys. Let's go. <laughs> All right, and I gotta pull my list. Go for it. Go. I'll just say briefly then. Doom. Haven't played a ton of it, but a refreshing change to first-person shooters. It's very fast-paced. You don't take cover. You're trying to go from enemy to enemy. Move in the game space rather than behind things. Uh, like chain things together. I, I'm. I like the first Doom. I haven't played Doom Three or some of the other ones, but. Like it is a nice change up compared to other first person shooters. Haven't played multiplayer, but uh, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would actually. Need to revisit. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of good things about it. A lot of people seem to be surprised that it's doing some innovative things. And it's or, not just the yeah, same old. Not that, but just different at least, right? Like, yeah, um, shooters have become so repetitive that it's nice to see something a little different. I played through Life is Strange after seeing it on some top 10 lists for last year. And it's a great game, I must say. it. Uh, the story, there's some letdowns to the story at the end. But they do this game much better than the Telltale, Telltale games have been doing it. They actually have, there's a lot of walking like in a Telltale game. There's a lot of conversation like in a Telltale game. But these guys actually have puzzles that are semi-difficult to figure out. I was trying to blow through it, so actually I was using a guide for the puzzles. But a lot of the time, the puzzles were pretty complex, but also you could tell you could be able to figure them out. So kind of like inside where I think the puzzles were well-designed in that regard. And the whole twist with Life is Strange is you can rewind time and sort of change things that happen in the game as you do them. So... Uh, if you need to, like an example is you need to create like a little mini bomb and blow open a door to the principal's office. Well, that's going to get you in shit because you just blew open the door. So you kind of walk in and it changes, uh, I guess, temporal time, but not spatial time. So you can move into the the office and then rewind time. So the door is not exploded yet, but you are still in the office. Does hmm. that make sense? So then you're able to solve puzzles through your manipulation of space and time at the same time, which adds a little bit of a neat little twist. And uh, 
yeah, overall, this game probably would have been in my top 10 if I had played it last year. And they did a really good job of the adventure game mechanic that Telltale seems to have gone away from. And Telltale seems to be pure story now with walking. And this is more like an actual adventure game with puzzles. Yeah, cool. it sounds a bit... You played Oxen Free, right? Yeah. It's not, I haven't played it yet, but it sounds... That seems pretty innovative in the same genre. Yeah, Oxen Free is like a... It's like a adventure adventure game uh, with like these teenagers are stranded on an island and there's some uh, weird, mysterious force there that it's not clear what it is and you're using like radio knobs to like interact with this weird force. Um but that game, yeah, I didn't, I re- didn't really enjoy it that much. It's too teenage drama for me. Uh, it was there was way too much dialogue, and I wasn't really that interested in it. And the the puzzle solving wasn't very compelling. But I don't, I know a lot of people are really in love with that game, but it didn't really do it for me. And it's a two D <laughs> game, right? Yeah, it's completely two D. Life is strange is three D. Three D, yeah. Okay, that's what I made in Unreal Engine. Cool, nice. Uh, okay, Frank, do you want to talk? TMNT real quick very not, quick I've not, played it for a half an hour <laughs> oh, okay I played it a little longer than that not too much to say huge disappointment I was yeah. so excited about this game uh, bad reviews across the board and I was still like you know what I'm going to take the chance I, I like Transformers <laughs> Devastation Kieran likes it way more than I do and he's played through it like five times now and I'm getting sick <laughs> of that damn game so I'm like okay let's get something new going here but it's not even really comparable like it feels like they're going for a like a left for dead or something like a co-op because you can play online co-op can't play local co-op which sucks uh but so it seems like they just tried to set up these levels where it's just like throw random tasks at you to complete and once you do a bunch of them you do a boss fight and it's just like a you know beat up on the guy who's got like a crazy huge health bar until he's dead like not boss fights were not strong at all no just complete mashing, nothing interesting. And when you're playing by yourself and managing four characters, it sucks. Yeah, and it's like you can tell even just when the game starts up, like the music, like everything about this just feels Budget. like super cheap. <laughs> Platinum I don't know. fatigue. I can't yeah, believe I this game. I was so it's like what seventy bucks. I feel like such a dummy. <laughs> oh yeah, it's it's yeah definitely. Even if you're thinking about it, wait for it to drop in price. Library it's not, <laughs> not worth <laughs> seventy bucks. Um, Graham, you got some stuff. Uh, yeah, some. So I played uh, this game called Super Hot. Uh, if you don't know about that oh, one, yeah. it's. Uh, it's like a first-person shooter where uh, time freezes except when you're moving. So, uh, and it's got this really cool art style where all the enemies are like, like red geometry, uh, animated red geometry. Uh, so basically, you're you're kind of like reenacting uh, uh, kind of like action movie scenarios where you're like thrown into one where you're in an elevator with four guys around you, and you're like you got to punch one to disarm him, grab the gun out of the air, spin to the other one, and every time you're spinning or moving the other guys are starting to attack you so you have to like try and prioritize them like who's going to attack me next i got to take that guy out next you can uh the weapons have pretty limited ammo so you'll like shoot one or two bullets it'll be out of bullets but then you can throw your gun at another guy and it'll knock his it'll knock his gun into the air and you can pull it out of the air and kill the next guy um and so you're doing this and you're just dying over and over and you're just repeating the scenario 
uh, a lot of times. And then when you finally, and, and, and you're, you know, you're moving really slowly cause you can like inch forward just like, and you'll see bullets coming towards you and you'll like strafe a little to the left and you'll be like, okay, I just missed my head. Cause everything's moving in slow motion as you're moving around. Uh, but when you actually manage to kill all the guys, it plays it all back in real time speed. So you can see like all this crazy shit you just did. Um, but so that's pretty fun. And they, they create a, like a bunch of interesting scenarios and they get longer and longer and more challenging. But the really interesting thing about this game is that there's like this whole meta game outside of this where, uh, you're like, you're booting into like a DOS window and your friend is chatting with you telling you, Hey, have you heard about this game? Super hot. I just downloaded the latest crack for the next level. And you're like, you're sharing files with this guy and it's starting to get pretty meta because you're like getting into parts of the game that you're not supposed to. And you're like infiltrating the code and stuff Mm. like this. I didn't even know that about this game. Uh, yeah, that, well, that's what was actually what I found the most interesting about it. And then I was watching, um, I was watching a review online uh, about Super Hot by this guy Super Bunny Hop, and he mentioned this other game that was all about this meta stuff uh, called Pony Island. Yes, there's a lot of these games coming out lately because yeah. there's that one, and then there's uh, oh crap, why can't I remember? Like the uh, Undertale. No, it just came out for PS4 as well. Uh, Ma- uh, Magic Circle. Oh, I've heard of that one. No, I haven't heard of it. It's that like one. you're basically pl- like you're building a game, I guess. I don't totally understand how it works, but it's like, yeah, you're like building a game, but like it's kind of commenting on game development at the same time. While you're building it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this, this Pony Island game, it kind of takes it to the next level. It's like a super weird abstract game where uh, when you start off, it it's like pre- it presents you as if you're standing in front of like an arcade cabinet. And uh, you're playing this game called Pony Island. Like it says, insert coin, and you start playing the game. And uh, it's kind of like a, a, a endless runner kind of game where you're like a pony jumping over uh, over fences. It's like super cheesy and simple. Um, um, but then the game starts to interact with you in weird ways. Like it starts to break the fourth wall, and you start hacking it to give yourself more your pony more powers. And then there's some this, this evil force living inside of the game that's trying to trying to fight you in the real world and like yeah you find like you have to explore <laughs> the options menus and stuff like that and find loopholes yeah and and you're you're going into the code and hacking things and changing the order of things and uh, th- that game uh, it's a pretty short game I think it's like less than two hours long but uh, was really interesting on like how they just played around with like this idea of like breaking the fourth wall and. Uh, and hacking the game and seeing what you're doing uh, as you're hacking it. Uh, it's a pretty cool game. It's definitely on my list of stuff to play. I'll give it my honorary mind fuck of the month <laughs> because I don't have one, but I'm looking forward to it. Is this a Frog Fractions 2 candidate? It's kind of like Frog Fractions. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> comparison where it's just like kind of going into this weird, bizarre, like unexpected ways. So. Uh, yeah, other than that, uh, uh, I've been playing uh, this... Have you guys ever heard of this Jackbox Party Pack? Oh yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. This uh, I just recently learned of it. It's pretty awesome. It's like the greatest party game ever. Yeah, it's it's incredible. So I I I always say this. I've been saying it for a year and a half. Like how this isn't making a bajillion dollars is beyond me. Yeah, and why aren't more people doing this kind of thing? Yeah. Like like multiplayer on your phones through the. It's perfect. Yeah. The web. I think they just released uh, Drawful. Drawful two. Yeah. 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 And Drawful is one of the best games. Yeah, the, draw, Quiplash is my favorite, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, playing a bunch of that, and uh, I don't know. You want to talk about The Witness? We can we can chat about it a bit. I finished it. Graham, you said you finished it as well. Yeah. I uh, had no patience for it, so I just walked through <laughs> the whole rest of the game because uh, 
Yeah, I mean, I totally respect the puzzles, but there's just so many, and they're pretty tricky. And I just ran out of patience and wanted to see what the big mystery was. What about you? Uh, yeah, I got I got stuck a lot of time. I didn't I didn't use a walkthrough, uh, but I, I got stuck a lot, and I found that. Like the the way that the the so it's it's basically you're on an island and you're solving these line puzzles, uh, but mm-hmm. but uh, all the the island is divided up in a lot of different areas and they're all very visually distinct. And if you ever got stuck in one area, it's, it was pretty easy to move on to another area and just come back. And somehow when you came back, you'd have like new fresh ideas to help you progress f- uh, further. And uh, and each of the areas, it's uh, once you've solved all the puzzles there, this laser beam rises out of the ground and shoots up to the top of this mountain. And, uh, um, I just found it extremely satisfying just exploring. It's like, it gave me a lot of, uh, it had a lot of similarities back to like the old mist games. And, uh, I really loved those kind of games, uh, where you're like exploring around and you're not even sure what you have to do. And you're just like experimenting with things and, uh, eventually figuring it out and trying to unravel the secrets of this Island. Um, uh, yeah, I really as a puzzle game I really enjoyed it. I thought it was an excellent puzzle game. Yeah. I remember the puzzle I stopped on. It was an elevator puzzle with the color filtering. Yeah. I know uh, what you're like the last stage of it I think. Like I figured out all the other ones and then you have to go up between all these floors and it's three state and I was like I was drawing diagrams of it. I'm like <laughs> I'm like I got it. I got it. Wasn't it? Done. <laughs> have him back <laughs> yeah i had to leave that area and come back to that one for sure yeah that's when you pulled the old walkthrough and you're back. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's great that you were really close frank that was like the last puzzle in that area is it in yeah, that area no, I, yeah. I know i, I knew it and it was like and i knew what it was like i figured out how it works mm-hmm. with the color blending and either my diagrams were inaccurate or something I'm like i can't do this so did you unlock all 11 lasers Yes, I did. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and then then I had to do a walkthrough because I couldn't figure out. There was like this secret ending thing that you only get ac- access to afterwards. I won't say anything. Okay, right. I had to do some walkthrough stuff. Uh, okay, so yeah. I skipped that yeah. because even the walkthrough looked really complicated. <laughs> so, But is that worth going back to? Because, spoiler alert. Oh, no. <laughs> Close your ears then. Well, what the heck, man? <laughs> the end of The Witness <laughs> is not that breathtaking of an ending. Oh, yeah. that's uh... So <laughs> so then is the other thing worthwhile doing? Uh, there's I, – I can't really say yes to that because all it really does is present you with something that's confusing that you'll be like, I don't know what I just saw. Okay. Yeah. Super. Uh, I would say you can go on YouTube and watch the okay, I'll do that. alternate. Yeah. I'll do that. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> I did my time with The Witness. Um, What's your mind? Else? Fuck, you got he one. Gave, he gave it. That was it. That was oh, it. That was I, don't, it. I don't have one. You don't have your own? Uh, I, the only other thing I've really played is Trials of the Blood Dragon, which uh, kind of mentioned. They announced it at E3. This was a Frankie special. Nobody knew it was in the works, although I think the title had leaked at some point. And they just said, Trials of the Blood Dragon, boom, here it is. It's online. You can go download it now. So I did that. And I think a lot of people did and then started seeing reviews immediately afterward that this thing is a piece of crap. (laughs) Uh, I actually don't agree with that. I think it's actually pretty fun for what it is. And, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. 
they mix obviously as you can tell from the title it's taking the trials um sort of biking stunt game and mixing it with the world of um far cry uh, 3 blood dragon far cry blood dragon and so you know it's just this ridiculous 80s action story uh going on and then you know there's levels where you're you're riding the bike and you're shooting people and then there's platforming sections where you get off the bike and you jump and the controls are a little floaty. They're not perfect. Uh, but I don't know. I was still kind of having fun with it. Almost sounds like little velocity two X vibe getting off yeah, the bike a little bit. Yeah. I think that may have been an inspiration. Seems for weird that. for a trials game to have floaty controls. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's one of the many tight. complaints yeah. about it, but, um, yeah. I mean, it's just like the the courses and the tracks kind of get increasingly more ridiculous and epic and stuff. So, anything else? Nope. I guess I briefly played Overwatch. I suck at it. Love the art style. Uh, Surprised at how, like, insanely positive the reviews are. When, like, Battlefront got demolished for having no game modes and limit like there's only like three game modes in overwatch and everyone's like that's what makes it amazing you, you like it's all about the competition within those game modes so it feels like reviewers are kind of picking and choosing uh their scenarios here but i i do like the game a lot have not played nearly enough to give a definitive opinion okay um <clears throat> well let's end off we did get one junk mail from matt and we can probably do this pretty quickly it's a he says hello game man simple question fuck Mary kill based on the major console developers so he gives us three games from each of the major consoles so Nintendo you've got Metroid Mario Legend of Zelda go Metroid Mario Legend of Zelda yeah Mary fuck kill fuck Metroid obviously yeah, fuck yeah Metroid. I think Mary Zelda kill Mario get rid of yeah. him I it. think I'm yeah. the same yeah definitely <laughs> well, no, why why fuck metroid obviously samus, samus is hot man girl. you're fucking metroid the, the game, game not the character this is where i don't oh, know the, the difference between <laughs> i don't know the difference between fuck and mary with video games to be honest with you but well i feel like you could get the unique experience of a metroid game in one pose <laughs> right like Zelda so, is like something like Zelda, they're always with. like putting crazy like there's so many different iterations of the game and like you, you want to marry that. You want to be around with all those for a while, and it's not a like a, a. I want to. It's just by default. I have to. There's so many Mario clones. So fuck Mario then. That's no, I'll saying. kill Mario. <laughs> I'll fucking murder Mario, <laughs> and just play every other great mar- platformer that's out there. But none of the. I don't know an ad- adventure game series that you know matches Zelda. You gotta marry that thing. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, PlayStation. This is going to be a tough one, Frankie. No. You got Uncharted, Crash Bandicoot, God of War. Marry Uncharted, fuck God of War, kill Crash Bandicoot. Easy for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Dwight. Same thing. I'm on board with that, too. I, I would definitely fuck Crash Bandicoot. Because, <laughs> like, Crash Bandicoot 1 is the best. So I'll fuck that, get out of there real quick. I'm not touching. And I don't want to touch the Activision Crash Bandicoots if they're even involved in this. So 
As long as I get to fuck the first game, fucking crash. Marrying Uncharted, you got to. And I'm, I'm sorry, Kratos, but you're done. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Xbox, you've got Halo, Gears of War, and Forza. That's a weak line. That's right pretty there. weak line. <laughs> I mean, uh, marry Halo, fuck Gears of War, kill Forza. Yeah. Wow, that just sounds so We're weird. talking original Halo <laughs> right. or 343 Halo? Just the, the entire we'll, series. We'll kill Halo. <laughs> kill Halo? Yeah, we'll fuck, we'll fuck the cars <laughs> and uh, marry the Gears. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, uh, fuck Mary Kill Nintendo, PlayStation, and Xbox. Oh, bringing it back. Oh boy. <laughs> I mean, uh, kill Nintendo. They're already dead. At this point, <laughs> yes, that is true. I can't. I. I. This is the same dilemma we talked about earlier. I want to, but but which I, one are you going to kill then? Just no, I'm, I'm killing Xbox. This, this is how Xbox is. Out this of is there. how deep ingrained it is. I'm marrying place. Or I'm I'm marrying Nintendo. <laughs> I would marry. Like Nintendo I'm already too. married to Nintendo. Yeah. I hate it. Yet I Actually, keep going back. You know, you know what? You know what? That's that's a great idea. There's such a pushover. It'd be the best marriage ever. No, it's not. It's like I I can't. Their spell will it's not come an off. Abusive no relationship. What. Exactly. That's totally like, abusive. It, it is. It, I am married to Nintendo. Never mind. I will marry. I am married to Nintendo. And you know what? Uh, marry the Xbox One. There's like that, that Xbox EA logo. Access. Looks like you could get in there a little bit. I'll, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll fuck Xbox and sorry PlayStation. You're dead. You're fucking dead. I'm fucking the shit out of the PlayStation. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a good name for it. <laughs> All right, that's it. Uh. Thanks, Matt. We appreciate the email. <laughs> uh, just what we needed to wrap it up. So upcoming releases, I don't know what the next show is going to be. There really is not a whole lot this summer. I guess No Man's Sky in August is a big deal. Uh, Banner Saga 2 coming out. For free on Games with Gold yep. yeah, tomorrow. Huge. There's a new Ghostbusters game July 12th. <laughs> Metroid Federation Force. I am so, like... Looking forward unsure, to that bad unsure if I will touch this thing. I'm, I just don't know if I can stay away. I might have to try it, even <laughs> just so I can say I hate it, because I'm pretty sure I will. Uh, Deus Ex: Mankind Divided, August 23rd. Uh, Madden, August 23rd. Recore, September 13th. Mm-hmm. That's pretty soon. It seems like uh, maybe too soon. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Destiny Rise of Iron, September 20th. Mafia 3, October 7th. Oh, you skipped Final four. Fantasy 15, September 30th? Oh, yeah. It's not on my list. Oh. I, I see Final Fantasy. I never know if it's a new or an old. Like, I don't know oh. what these numbers are. <laughs> uh, Gears 4, October 11th. PlayStation VR, October 13th. I feel like that's the next episode. Yeah? Like, we, I get but that. We might VR. not have one in our hands. Oh, we'll, you? We'll, yeah? We'll get one. All right. <laughs> Black market. <laughs> we'll have a... Uh, uh, Twitch stream. Yeah. The Twitch. Get, we got to get Reed in there. That would he be amazing. <laughs> Playing the Star Trek game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then Last Guardian, October 25th. Battlefield 1, Titanfall 2, Dishonored 2, Watch Dogs 2, well, and uh, South Park. Fractured But Whole. Those are fractured pretty much the big releases for the rest of the year. Somehow, like, is there stuff that's missing from this list? Because that doesn't seem like no. a lot. No, it's no. just empty. 
No Good. summer games. It's the world we live in. Huh. We already okay. got them all. We'll just keep playing The Witcher. Yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, well, Graham, thanks so much for being here and Thank staying you. Yeah, thanks, for, man. you know, what, like four-hour episode <laughs> yeah, or yeah, whatever the hell this was. Thanks for having me. It means I don't have to listen to it, at least. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, yeah. You uh, can always come back to it in two months <laughs> and give it a refresh. That's a good call. <laughs> so uh, where can people follow you on the internet, and when are you going to start Instagram? <laughs> Uh, yeah, on Twitter, I'm Graham underscore Drinkbox. And uh, if you want to know what Drinkbox is doing, just at Drinkbox Studios on Twitter. Cool. You can follow us on Twitter at Game Junk Podcast. You can also uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Game Junk. And individually at Dirty Frank with three hours and dirty at My Angry Commute. Still rocking Still no the, the Angry yeah. Commute, even though you're not commuting, right? That's right. And at Film Junk. Until next time, we'll see you guys later. Bye bye. Man, E3 sucked.